Welcome to Never Watch Alone, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Yeah, I'm starting with an Irish accent because we are doing one of the most famous Irish mob movies of all time. I'm not doing the accent anymore. Um, and uh, yeah, The Departed, man. This We're finally kicking off with Mob March. It's fucking awesome, man. And uh, joining me, as always, is my good friend, and co-host Sean Wheeler. How you doing, Sean? I, I take it you're very excited for this one. I am. Uh, this is my favorite Scorsese film. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I caught this three or four times in theaters. Uh, Damn. You know, I got the, I got the awesome like um, the the metal box special edition because it had that really cool logo on it with the. Uh, the gun and the the skyline yeah it's like that alone made me pay the extra money for that because i'm like that was always the coolest image from (laughs) that from the promo shit and then they wouldn't put that lame ass cover on it and i'm like no 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 no. like that's what i want on my copy (laughs) i i sadly only got the regular dvd i didn't get like the really cool version that you did um i did find that version uh, at a, I think it was uh, at a, uh, um, uh, a, a pop, pop, probably like a Borders bookstore. You remember Borders books? Yeah. Yeah, good times, man. But I think I found a copy of that, and I was really eyeballing that, and <laughs> also I think the first season of Robot Chicken on DVD, which was kind of a cool find for me. So we're gonna we're gonna go on a real brief tangent here. The demise of uh, Borders Books actually caused Barnes and Noble to have to uh, lax their standards. Because mm. okay, great, you won the competition, but the problem is there's a lot of demand for shit that you wouldn't carry because it was too edgy for you. <laughs> like they didn't used to carry the Berserk books, but you could find like but you could find them at Borders. Lo and behold, Borders goes Borders goes out of business. It ain't long before suddenly berserks at Barnes and Noble, which before they're like, it's too violent and sexual. We won't have that. Wrong. There's money to be made. Blow me. When there's money to be made, they'll do fucking anything. 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 That's that's the nature of human beings. Is like whatever the fuck that they're gonna be doing, they will do fucking anything if they get a good chunk of change for it. That's, Everyone's got a price. Exactly. And. Uh, yeah, that's really kind of the case in this movie, too. Yeah, there, there's, there, there, there's a lot of that. He never wanted money. He can't do anything with a man like that. So, uh, I'm going to preface before we get into this. Um, I have a special love for Boston. Boston? Uh, I have... Not, Boston. Too, not too far yeah. in the yard from the car. So, uh, that's more New York, but I got you. No, um, so... Um, you know, I, I went to, to visit at one point cause I have uh, some friends who live out there for about a week. And then I spent five weeks there uh, a little over a year ago, uh, getting, uh, a, a language certification. So I've spent, uh, a, I, I spent what you would call a decent amount of time in Boston for someone who's never like fully lived there. Um, love the city, love the place, uh, it's amazing. I'm also a history buff. I have walked all over it. Like, you know, I walked to a diner in Southie because I heard, you know, it was, I heard great things. And so it's like, I'm very familiar with a lot of the locations in here. I'll have some personal anecdotes popping up and other shit. Oh yeah. I so know all I about have, these. Oh yeah. But like, just, I have an absolute, I mean, despite the fact that a lot of this movie was filmed in New York, 
But yeah, it, I just that's, that's absolute a... love for the city of Boston. So I, I'm letting my prejudice be known up front. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so I w- really want to co- know, like, the whole because as you we both have established this is like one of your all-time favorites so um do tell like your like kind of history and your expect and the uh, and how you're gonna feel what like leading up to it just like the what what it was like seeing it for the first time the repeated viewings memorable any anything that you've been taking away from this well i mean so i was trying to so, so this movie came out shortly after I discovered I was not going to be able to work in film. Uh, when I got out of college, I was actually trying to go into film acquisition. And within six months of graduating, uh, film acquisition stopped being a thing. Yeah. Uh, the internet basically killed it. It's fine. Um, but that was my original goal. And I, you know, that really pumped the brakes on everything. Um you know, this movie came out in, you know, that subsequent year in after I graduated. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm lost in the ether, but I'm a huge cinephile fil- still. And this movie is, was just everything I wanted with the perfect cast at the perfect time. I mean, yeah. you can't imagine a better cast for this movie even when you look at the other names that were floated around for it yeah, yeah. it's just like it, it would not have been the same um from such wonderful things as i mean this is the movie that made me stop detesting mark Wahlberg. like i'll <laughs> put that out there mark, like, old marky mark and his uh <laughs> oh i mean to, to be fair if i ever meet him i'm still gonna be like marky mark feel it, feel it. <laughs> like that will happen period like he can punch me i don't care i love the guy but if i meet him that's gonna that's my that's my opening (laughs) Uh, you probably will get punched knowing him honestly yeah it's all right it's all right you know it's actually kind of a weird honor to be punched by mark Wahlberg. oh yeah i'll just be like i got punched on mark your box what's up (laughs) it's it's kind of like being insulted by bill burr you know (laughs) it's it's Mm -hmm. kind of a mark of honor but i mean this this was you know um DiCaprio at his best and honestly like what a shame that the studio never pushed for him I know because... didn't they didn't they want to push for uh, Blood Diamond which came out the same year Yeah they were pushing for Blood Diamond and they also didn't want to push him over his other co-stars in the movie and I'm just like shut up it's like it's like him and nicholson deliver the best performances like are you kidding they're the tops okay so like you know the i was on the uh the leo should be have like an oscar train long before that was a fucking thing because i still look at this movie i've i've seen a ton of his movies i'd seen the revenant i've been on the leo should have an oscar train since gangs of new york yeah that's very true (laughs) honestly as soon as he started working with scorsese he's like give that man an oscar um, right, but uh, the Departed, in my opinion, is still probably Leo's best performance, like of his yeah. entire career. Yeah, um, I mean, and everyone in this movie does a great job, and it's. I think it really, you know, for you want my history, it, it, it just came out at the right time with the right thing. Where it's like I'm struggling. I was struggling very much in life right then, and it was just kind of the right balm. For that suffering at that time. Yeah. Because um, it, it took a while for, you know, trying to get my feet under me just to, I had to relocate cities. I, I was dealing with a lot of weird life shit. 
And it was just one of those things that's like it was so good at the right time. It was just a very welcome, loved distraction from the shit show that was my life. <laughs> um, and, however, I'm going to take a brief moment here while I've already hijacked the conversation. No, please. Because this is so esoteric and I love it so much, but it would take up so much time during our actual recording that I don't want to put it in there. Okay. So there's this wonderful line where they're talking about Freud said the Irish are the only people impervious to psychoanalysis. Yes, I remember that one. There is no recording of Freud having actually said that. No. It actually came from one of Freud's fanboys. Yep. And this Freud, yes, but that Freud fanboy is Anthony Burgess. Yep. Author of A Clockwork Orange. Oh, so I would like boy. to point out the right, like the weird cultural cross connections here, are are across the board. Also, uh, something that should be pointed out: while this is an adapted screenplay, uh, I, I know you're aware. Yes. Scorsese was not aware that it was a you know the screenplay had been adapted from a Hong Kong film, or and he did not watch that movie before making it, which I think are important distinctions because I know there's a lot particularly right now going on with watch the original don't do remakes and i don't think this was so much in like a straight like i'm remaking this for western audiences like that was not his intention no 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 no. um and so and this is also the only adapted screenplay from a foreign language film to ever win best picture yeah yeah And, and i think you know it really does stand uh stand on its own there um but uh I just I, I thought that's you know something that really needs to be brought up because this is this movie is brilliant it has so many crazy references to it uh, I should note the screenwriter also his first screenplay credit is Kingdom of Heaven oh which yeah is with one that. of my yeah which is one of my absolute you know I mean probably. It, it, it may be my favorite Ridley Scott film. I mean, it's up there. But again, the director's cut. Like that theatrical thing, don't pay attention to it. <laughs> Get to that. So, uh, that that's a whole, whole other podcast, but, mate. <laughs> but yeah, so it's just like this is just coming out at the right right time with the right people. And, oh, I mean, I don't know. Like if somebody watches this movie who has any love for cinema or acting or mob movies in general. Yeah, dude. And disregards it. I don't know what's wrong with you. I, like, yeah, for I just, real. I mean, this is the movie that actually got me really into the crime genre. You know, like because this. So this came out in two thousand six. So I was still in middle school at this point. Um, but yeah. God, I'm old. <laughs> but. Uh, one of the cool things was, is I was, uh, visiting my uncle who had all the expensive, like, you know, uh, movie channels and whatnot and the satellite mm-hmm. TV and all the cool stuff where it was, you know, commercial free and furthermore uncensored. So he actually was like, oh my God, he said, fuck, like, wow. <laughs> like, so it's like over 200 times, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> not just once, but a lot actually. <laughs> so um but uh yeah so i i I think i uh uh watched it for the first time i think the like just about a year after it was released so this is like 2007 
Um, and I know that my my uncle was like, "Oh, this is a great movie," and I'm like, "Cool, can I can I like watch?" And you know, my uncle's just kind of looking over at my parents, like, "They don't need to know." <laughs> so I watched about half of the movie, had no idea what the hell was going on, but you know, as I entered high school and I really started, you know, tried to uh, uh, feed my hunger for uh, the my education in the language of cinema and i knew smart and scorsese was such a key thing uh i wanted to check it out in full uh and i i, I actually had this was actually weirdly enough my very first digital movie purchase and i think it's like oh, wow. one of the few yeah uh, i think i got it in like 2010 or 2009 somewhere in there um but i know i was really conflicted because i wasn't sure if i wanted to get this movie on digital or No Country for Old Men. Both Best Picture winners, both great crime thrillers, both great performances, and both great directors. So, I wasn't sure which one to go with, but ultimately... I, I would say you made the right choice, simply because <laughs> I love No Country for Old Men, but I feel this movie has far more rewatchability. Uh, it's, I can't... I can't fully agree but i can agree at the same time like i'm not saying no country for old men doesn't have rewatchability i just think it's a little more dense and not as accessible so that's why i don't think it has quite the level of it yeah i think you're right it's it's oh it's just i don't it's i i love it, it was really a hard choice but ultimately the point is i did go with this movie and uh yeah I've, i i i don't know if i ha still even have that download since i got the the, the dvd like a couple of years later um but i yeah i can i love rewatching this uh it, especially at my old uh at wa watching it at my old uh, uh friend from middle school who i'm still friends with today uh this guy named david uh, uh who fucking loves this movie it's like one of his personal favorites so i guess david if you're listening this one's kind of for you uh sort of but not really it's also for us and everyone else well, who loves this fucking masterpiece and you know i will i will say something of that nature um you know another personal thing for me this is really a bonding movie uh with me and you know one of my actually my, my kind of my oldest friend at this point he was the first friend i made when i moved to ohio my buddy greg uh, we're still very good friends, and we both. I mean, I, I, one of the screenings, I took him to see it with me, and he's a huge fan. We both watch it often. We both reference it yeah. to each other all the time. Yeah. So, um, and I think movies like that are very important to people. You know. Yeah, dude. Uh, when, when you have a movie that you love that somebody else you love also has a strong connection to. I think that deepens your own love of it. It does. It really does. Like uh, I, one of my favorite stories for you know movie bonding was uh, when Kevin Smith was in Japan and uh, was talking to uh, a couple of businessmen that he was uh, working with. He was in town for. They didn't speak a word of English, but they bonded completely through this giant barrier of language between the two of them. They bonded by whistling you know the tune from star wars to one another mm, like there you go <laughs> like because when you bond over movies like that it's transcendental it needs no language it needs no verb verbiage it it only it, the connection 
is still just as strong there and that's what makes that's what makes movies magical and why we love them that so much. that is exactly what i was gonna say movies are magic man yes they are dude it's it's fucking awesome so uh and you know what else is really magical about this movie this is the movie that inspired my very first movie that i ever made that will never see the light of day because it's so fucking embarrassing <laughs> i hate it i fucking hate it it's it no it's going it's never i think i it's preserved on a disc that i've hidden away and might actually burn if i if it resurfaces <laughs> because it, 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 oh god it's so embarrassing but it but this was the inspiration for my very first embarrassing film that you will never see <laughs> so uh I th they will never see it but now i really want to see it <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think you. No, no, I don't. I love you, Sean, but I don't love you that much. <laughs> I, as a matter of fact, we'll get I, there. We'll I, get there. I love you so much, Sean, that I refuse to subject you to such horror. <laughs> That's how much I love you, Sean, because I you don't want you to I'll, see I'll, it. I'll make you a deal. If I could dig out, if I ever dig out and find, which I'll have to get it transferred because it's still on a little tape. <laughs> Oh, I dig out and find my senior high school project piece, which is was a silly commercial, oh, and how bad it is. I will send that to you. Oh man! Like we, we'll we'll trade god awful first attempts. Um, oh, you drive a hard <laughs> bargain. You know that's that's the uh, you know what that's the other thing for everyone who's listening out there because like I I really hope this is a movie because I know for a fact that I've talked to other filmmakers and worked on movies that um, uh, worked on other people's movies who also have been inspired by this. I really hope that, you know, for those of you who love movies as much as we do, we'll go out to go and make your own movie with your friends. I don't care how bad it is. Seriously. That's the nature of it. You just have to fucking do it. Because I, I, uh, probably the greatest advice ever to young filmmakers was given by Stanley Kubrick. And he just said, go make a movie. Whatever movie at all. is that, that's, that's really the only advice you can give to young filmmakers is to just pick up a camera and make whatever film they want right. to do. They, it could be and, serious. It and, could be silly. No. It can be bad. It can be surprisingly good. Who knows? No, but, I, I completely agree. It's it's very similar to there's a writer uh, who oh, I'm a big fan of, Neil Gaiman, mm -hmm. and he has this advice that says, "Write, finish things, write more." It's any, whatever medium you're in, whether yeah. you're doing film, writing, whatever it be, do the thing, learn from doing the thing, do the thing again, rinse that, and that's repeat. It. That's that's exactly, and literally, that's uh, that's all they ever do, really is they yeah. uh, they fuck around and they learn. It's not exactly finding out cuz really the finding out process is not actually in well, this. Well, I mean sometimes there's finding out. I mean look at Kevin Smith. How long did it take him to learn his fucking lenses? That's that's also Okay, so <laughs> there is the, look, the, the point is as an artist, whatever that is, fuck around, find out some things but ultimately, just keep fucking around. That's yep. and maybe, maybe if you fuck around enough, someone will think you fuck around good, 
and put you and give you some awards and some accolades and maybe you'll go down in history maybe who knows just the point is keep fucking around because hey, that's really what we do here i i just want to point out ed wood you can still go down in history without any accolades that's wood <laughs> that's very true sex pistols never won a goddamn thing and look at what they've become um terrible example but i understand <laughs> not a sex pistols fan uh okay uh i will put this as easily <laughs> as possible they were formed by a man who owned a store to sell his brand they are literally a corporate punk band that was their intent that was their start the guy owned an alternative fashion store and got a band together to help sell his shit johnny rotten is the worst thing to ever happen to punk okay johnny and, rotten is kind of dumb yeah That's... uh sorry but the hill i'm gonna die on uh original new york punk fan for life deeply in the culture love a lot of the bands influenced uh by them and that came out of them from england such as you know the clash and Susie and all those people but fuck the sex pistols well, I uh, guess I, it really goes to show that my rock and roll history has gotten exceptionally rusty since college. <laughs> uh, it also has to do with the fact that you probably weren't aware that your co-host is a psycho fan of original New York punk and has read countless memoirs. Oh, that's very true, too. See, we know all kinds of shit, not just movies. But that said, maybe we I should start... <laughs> maybe uh maybe we should start this because honestly this is because we already knew going into this this was going to be a long one but oh, yeah. uh either way it's going to be a fun ride i assure you so yes, that's indeed. that said um I, i'm actually i should probably i oh man i am so bad at, at running did, did this you show. not have it pulled up did did, did you <clears throat> make a faux pas uh on board? maybe <laughs> uh well <clears throat> i'm not sure where it's actually do you know where you netflix. can stream this? It's streaming on netflix oh it is on netflix right okay. now yep sweet okay hopefully it still stays there and uh, i imagine that was like a, a part of a deal for doing uh the irishman he's like i'll do the irishman and i'll get i will gladly take this blank check but you got to stream my other movies on there, and I'm sure Netflix is like, uh, sure. Honestly, The Departed has been on and off Netflix probably more than any other streaming service. Like, most often, I don't have to dig out my copy of it because it's usually on Netflix. <laughs> well, that's that's. Huh. Well, e either way, you can. There's a. a all the point is, uh, just uh, keep looking around. It's, I know you can probably find like purchase it on Amazon Prime, Vudu, YouTube various yeah, parts it, of the it, internet <laughs> it's a best picture winner it's available <laughs> it's gonna be available somewhere uh but uh, either way if you, and if you also have the blu-ray or the dvd or uh if you really want to cut deep the hd dvd remember that <laughs> remember that shit uh yeah because my buddy still has a whole bunch of them because he was on board that train until they lost uh, that was that <laughs> That must have been like, uh, you know, getting all the Dreamcast uh, merch before P PlayStation destroyed them. Well, but that's just it. He's an Xbox fanboy. So he bought the HD DVD add-on for his 360 and was going that route. Ooh. Uh-huh. The yeah. same friend who loves The Departed with me, my buddy Greg. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? <laughs> oh, shit. 
Well, if you've got a copy, wherever you can find it, be it hard copy, digital copy, you know, streaming service or, you know, alternative uh, internet means, get ready to press play because we are starting this departed train. This train is departing right now in <laughs> three, two, one, click. And Warner Brothers logo. Which, you know, given that, I'm kind of surprised this isn't on HBO Max yet, but I'm sure as soon as rights revert, it'll go there. It's going to be all over the place, man. But again, th you know, honestly, it shouldn't be that hard to find a movie like this because it's so fucking popular with people, you know? Yeah, and it could also be that they may have only had the distribution rights and may not have the actual right rights. Yeah, it, it goes all over the place. Some I love that they ago. put some years ago here so that, like, you don't timeline stitch it down. Yeah, it's it keeps it a, a, a touch of uh, timelessness. That's a great opening line, man. Love it. This entire opening sequence, like, literally from here until he gets out of jail, I think is one of the strongest opening 20 minutes of any movie ever. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I can think of other movies just with really stronger openings, but I, I'm not trying to detract of how strong this one is, though. Well, but that's it. Other ones shock you, or they do something. This movie perfectly in 20 minutes sets up all the important players. Oh, in like the first 20 minutes. It, okay. Right, and they do it immaculately you have to take it and of course it wouldn't really be a scorsese crime movie without gimme shelter by the rolling stones yep you know apparently like he he and mick jagger are like such besties that uh he, they actually <laughs> uh that scorsese did you know that scorsese actually did directed a, one of their concert films yep shine a light yeah which is actually a pretty good concert actually I wonder if this is like one of the few locations that is in Boston. You know, there are some. I'll, I mean, I will point certain ones out. I uh, I'm not too super familiar with this one. I didn't go seeking this one out, but because <laughs> I do like the fact that you know, even though the the like ultimately this entire movie is supposed to take place in the mid 2000s, it's mostly because yeah. of the telephones and whatnot. And this is yeah. supposed to be like the 80s, but I love the choice in uh, the uh, the location well, here because it does. It feels like it's kind of brand new, but at the same time, I can kind of because this this location shows up later on and it looks like it hasn't fucking changed. Yeah, but at the same time, when you talk about the phones, if you're going to be using burners, you're not using smartphones. So the phone things, you'd still be using very similar phones like that if you were going to be doing shady shit today. That is, yeah. I also love how they they light uh, uh, Jack Nicholson in this bit right here. Where oh, he's yeah. Constantly, mostly in the shadows where you don't Until, see... until this exactly. wonderful coming moment. That moment, which which is preceded by a blooper, but I don't care because it's so fucking strong of a reveal that it doesn't matter. <laughs> and Scorsese rightly has that instinct. He has w these weird instincts as a director that normally you should not do 
like embracing the uh, technical imperfections for the sake of performance and cinematic language. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that he'll keep in a blooper, an obvious one, but it's to enhance the right take. Like, I feel so strongly about this take that I'm going to overlook the fact that there's like a camera bump or, you know, it's a little out of focus or things like that, you know? Right. Oh, and I also love this cut right here. Oh, it's so good. Thelma Schoonmacher is the best editor who's ever walked the face of the earth, for real. And pow. Damn! What? Shit. (laughs) She fell funny. (laughs) Francis, I really think you should see somebody. (laughs) And he's holding the the saw and the hatchet. Right? like, oh, God. It's just like, dude, you're the one who needs to see somebody? Okay, right here. You can see he's got a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. And then when it cuts to his frontal place, it's gone. But again, it doesn't matter because in his words, what's the difference? Ah, see what I did there? (laughs) And I also love that cut. I would love to point out. Yeah. Is the fact that. Actually, we'll get back to it. So right here. The. uh, The the what they have on the boards back there for the head and the mushrooming. Yeah. Are from Kennedy. Yeah. From isn't Kennedy that... getting shot. Yeah, isn't that fucked up? <laughs> oh, yeah, push. And which is really ironic considering, like, 90% of the characters in this movie die from a shot to the head. Right. Right. <laughs> So, you ever have a weird headcanon where you feel like, you know, um, Matt Damon's character from Goodwill Hunting just had a really dark, <laughs> had a really dark turn with Minnie Driver and became a police officer instead? I mean, no, but... So, uh, when I was staying in Boston for five weeks, I stayed on Beacon Hill. So... Very familiar with that park. Very familiar with where they are right now. <laughs> Gosh, I love Anthony Anderson in this. Right. And he's not in this movie for very long either. But uh, either way, regardless, his, anytime he's on screen, he's got some really great, great shit. <laughs> oh, it's funny, but it's true. Yep. I should point out, the entire time I stayed in Boston, I only encountered two people with strong Boston accents. Oh, really? So, they kind of overdo it a bit. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> in a, well, it, I guess it's really to play up the uh, the, the setting and whatnot. Um, well, and the origins of the people. Yes, very true. Because, you know, mobsters are really all about roots. Yeah. Uh, You know, okay, so have you actually read the script to The Departed? 
I have not. It's really witty. And one of my favorite passages is uh, when he opens up the box here. According uh -huh. to the script, it's like, look, he opens up a box. And we don't know, as the audience, we don't know what the hell it's supposed to be. It could be a picture of him fucking his yeah. grade school teacher. It could be a fucking dildo. We don't, it doesn't matter. We don't know. <laughs> That's what it relatively says verbatim in the yeah. script. And I love that kind of sass in the script itself. Because people forget that, you know, people had to write this shit down to communicate yeah. for a filmmaker to interpret into, like, a living, breathing film. So I love the fact that Matt Damon, to prepare for this role, oh, this, rode, this, around, this rode around, yeah, oh, yeah, uh, uh, rode around with cops, went on, like, went on an actual drug raid with them. Like, he really got his hands in it. Yeah, man. Okay, so um, that Iris shot where, you know, it starts with, you mm -hmm. know, him, and it irises out to the, uh, the Stades building. I, gotta I, I, I can't remember where I've seen that before. Because I know Scorsese's being crass with his, you know, uh, uh, his uh, um, encyclopedic so, knowledge of film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's been used many times, but where it was first done, I'm not sure. Do you, uh, do you know where Mark Wahlberg got the inspiration for Dignam? Oh, please tell. Please inform us. He based it on the cop who kept busting him when he was growing up in Boston <laughs> being a little delinquent. He straight up based it on the cop who kept busting him. It kind of, it's kind of like uh, in with uh, Joe Pesci basing that, what's so fucking funny about me about some dude who aroused him? Like, right. it's kind of the same deal. I, I, guess, I guess that's kind of what makes, you know, acting really great in uh, a Scorsese movie is when they base it off of something horrible that happened to them. And they can cathartically make it into something iconic for us film lovers. Yeah. So Sheen came onto this movie simply because he'd never worked with Scorsese and he wanted to. Yeah, man. <laughs> also, half of the budget of this film went to the actors. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Seriously. Because it's got some major star power. Not just Nicholson and uh dicaprio and damon but you know you also got like alec baldwin and um oh god uh uh ray winstone and uh oh yeah no robert Wahlberg's on here too so you understand why you, you find bodies near the airport right yeah it's it's uh it's by the shoreline isn't it uh, kind of, but it's more because planes taken off high gunshot sounds. Yeah, that's that's another good that's another good point, which you know we got to actually kind of see in the opening of the movie. Yeah. I I forget how much uh, um, oh Marky right Mark got. To, of, oh yeah, this. What? Sorry, one of the best lines of the whole movie. <laughs> Just. <laughs> oh this is so bad right but <laughs> it's funny though looking up like uh, oh shit like oh uh, shit 
I really want to know how much uh, Mark Wal Marky Mark. He I'm just gonna call him Marky Mark for the for the rest of the show because that's that's all we can. That's all I'm ever gonna really see. Just feel it, feel it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I really want to know how much he got to improvise because some of his insults are kind of fucking amazing. Probably my absolute favorite is like, uh, like who put the fucking cameras here? Oh, who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. That's one of my Baldwin, favorite. And, and, and here we get Baldwin showing up perfect in this role. Oh, Just my God. Perfect. He is such a pig. And you know what's really sad? There are totally people like this working in, in oh, law yeah. enforcement. That's the really shitty part. Oh, God. I mean, he's a pig. But he's he's about his business, you know. He's not just being an ass to be an ass. Like he's like, I'm trying to stop a kingpin. That's true. The Joker, <laughs> Jack Napier. I don't know how they – I don't know uh, what's going through his mind, but the way that Scorsese moves the camera and cuts to it is oh. impeccable. impeccable. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, the the camera work in this film is – Well, he does these crazy sweeping, insane. like, wide crane shots for only, like, a couple of seconds just to really whip and pan around to, to get to that certain mood that he goes for. And it's crazy the amount of resources he gets for, you know, just a few inserts of a frames, you know? <laughs> I oh. love this. Oh, yeah, that's one. Hawthorne. <laughs> Such I like a how dick. He's, he's so angry. He's about ready to murder somebody right here. Seriously, though, like, okay, so we mentioned that, you know, Baldwin is like a pig, but he's about his business, right? Yeah. Marky Mark here, he just, he has no fucks for anyone or anything but himself. No. But he no. Well, he no. He has fucks for di for for um Queenan for Queenan, and he has fucks about what he's about. Like he's an ass, but he's an effective ass. He's the kind of guy who's like, look, um, it's like one of those things where uh, you know, like, do you want to work with the nicest person who's bad at their job, or do you want to work with a fucking asshole who's really good at their job? I'll, I'll I'll work with this guy any day. Exactly. <laughs> but I really do want to know how much he got to improvise, because some of these, some of the insults, man, they're just golden. And I mean, nobody messes up their their accents in this movie. Like the people who are doing Boston no. accents, fucking kill them. No. You know, looking back, like revisiting this, I totally, I, I, I always tend to forget to really feel the 
tragedy for Leo's character. Because really, he's he was just de just destined for to be a criminal. Oh yeah, and he's trying so fucking hard to do the right thing. And the fact that he's constantly under pressure and constantly in the thing that he fears the most. Because uh, I think uh, Leo described his character as having a 24-hour, uh, 365, we-never-close, constant anxiety attack and panic yep. attack. So, so oh yeah, this, this apartment. It, but this, these shots from the windows are not real. They're actually from the top of Suffolk University. And it's just compiled to make it look like it's from the window. Yeah, man. Well, that's that's just movie making for you. Exactly. It's the magic. But it serves the purpose because, you know, as soon as you see that look on his face. <clears throat> oh, hey, it's that guy. Um, he's in a whole bunch of other uh, Scorsese movies. He's uh, yeah. I, I think uh, you, you remember you, if you ever saw The Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, he was the uh, FBI agent that, uh, um, you know, uh, prosecuted uh, um, Jordan Belfort in that movie. Okay. Because you know, I think he was like, look, no matter what, this is an open and shut case. I'm going to win. We could have our fucking dicks out in the middle of the court. No one would give a fuck. I'm going to win. <laughs> so what? here I are love, your options. And, and right here you see that, you know, Costello has enough awareness to know that this was the wife of somebody who was, you know, associated with his family. Because it's like Jackie's brother's wife. Yeah. So he's still, I mean, that shows he's a criminal, but he's a criminal who still cares about his people. Yep. Even minorly. And that's just enough to get him uh, to get him in there. Oh, would this, wouldn't that be a wonderful... Uh... Oh, a wonderful add-on for a wonderful bonus to have tax-free bitches right oh shit moment of truth And now he's got his full Boston accent going. <laughs> yeah. And now the main theme of the movie that got uh -huh. everyone into Dropkick Murphys, including me. Hey, I was into Dropkick Murphys when they had their original lead singer, Bastard. <laughs> well, hey, man, the, I was in middle school. Like, I wasn't edgy yet. Yeah, okay. Tut, and yeah, we are like, like I've I've been on board since before Do or Die. Like eight, I'm that early. <laughs> there's the X. Eighteen minutes in, and we finally get yep. our title drop, man. And it's a great. That's a great. That's a great way to tell you that we are in. Cause that that decision to to go into jail, that was his. That that's the uh, uh, yeah. the uh, the catalyst event. <laughs> but I loved right there that scene, just that short exchange. Yeah. It sets up more about his cousin. It also shows, like, the prison dynamic. Like, he's ready to fight if it's about to go down. Like, Oh, yeah. And, of course, again with the editing, cut. Oh, so I love how he I, does that. 
when I visited Boston, I tried so hard to find a Red Sox hat like that, and they don't have any right now. Boo. Like, I think it's, yeah, I wanted that that exact hat so bad. Well, if I ever find it, I'll be sure to, to get it for you. Are you a, <laughs> you a Red Sox fan? Uh, I always said I'm a sympathizer because I was very sympathetic of how long they'd gone without winning. I'm glad they, they pulled it around. I, I'm not a fan of baseball overall, but I've always said I'm a Red Sox sympathizer. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I'm from Chicago, and uh, my, my family have been lifelong Cubbies fans. So, yeah. Um, and although, my, my, my friend Greg, who I worked with for, is a huge Cubs fan, so I've also had sympathy for them. Like they're, I don't care about baseball, but they're the two teams I like to see win because they've been so long-suffering. Oh, I know, right? Especially the Cubs. Jesus. Finally, they got to, 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 to win it all in 2016. One of the few good things about 2016. Man, I, I just love the production design on this. Like, do you notice, like, the, the dirty things, the laundry, and, you know, the live? Oh, it's yeah. the lived-in kind of stuff. That Well, right, but, like, still still got an American flag flying. Yeah, this... But it's, it, it's a little filthy. You know, the dirty side of the American dream, making yeah, ex- fast money. Exactly, exactly. And, honestly, this reminds me of some of the neighborhoods that, uh, uh, my, grand- <laughs> that my grandmother was in. Or at least that she used to be. And here, here's what's funny. They have him giving this line denigrating Puerto Ricans, and he's part Puerto Rican. That oh, yeah, actor. I know, right? <laughs> you used to be a cop. It's, it's, it's a used to be a cop, right? I'm not a cop. <laughs> it says God. <laughs> Man, those cuts that they do with not just oh, the, yeah. in terms of, you know, from one scene or another, but it's also the way they cut off the sound as well. Uh, seriously, Thelma Schoonmacher is probably the best editor that I know of. She oh, yeah. she has taught me so much about editing just by watching the films, not even just like in the, uh, the, the, the various interviews and documentaries I've seen her in. Um Oh, God, no. This is such... Nope. Oh, it's amazing. Oh, boy. And... Ow! God! Now, I also love what uh, Frenchie here says to him. He's like, look, that's yep. that's almost... That's not... That's almost a guy you can hit. But it's not quite a guy you can hit. Okay? It's all... <laughs> so don't fucking hit him! <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of dynamic in a bar. Yep. <laughs> Don't fucking hit him. <laughs> I love the, the little sniff. Yep. Damn. Hey, you remember payphones, kids? Right. <laughs> I'm just looking in the back. Oh, and this this little bit here where he's like, 
cranberry juice. <laughs> and he's like, dude, that's so the reason why I hit him in the first place. Right. I love this right here. This is such a good. Oh, oh, what? Oh, fucking what? So damn. I want to talk. I love Frenchie's performance in this movie, but he did not get on with Jack Nicholson, but they still have such great on-screen charisma just shows their professionalism. Yeah. 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 Cause honestly, he Frenchie is probably the most terrifying character in this whole movie. Okay. Right here. Yeah. This camera work blows my mind. Oh, wait. Is it the, uh, like the, uh, uh, the zoom dolly? Yeah. Oh, so good. I think it's right here. It's about to come up. Uh, it's, it, I think it's yeah. after he's talking about the microprocesses. Yeah. Well, there's seriously no anti-Bush administration politics here, right? None, none whatsoever. This is this is totally not a commentary on the Bush administration. W, not HW. And you have the name drop from the film. Yep. Well, we also had it earlier. It's like, you know, blessed are the departed, you know, at the funeral. So we also had it there, too. right here yeah right this and does it again with him you know that's actually almost borderline michael bay movement you know yeah. but done right it's amazing it really is i mean and there is always there's always motivation behind those camera movements because that's honing in on the point <laughs> where i think that's the point where we kind of go into um matt damon's head space and those are the and when they do those camera movements go those are the moments where he's truly listening in on he's it's as if the camera is leaning in on him okay this mom knows what's up she she she's she's a fucking straight shooter am i right right And she also knows who not to fuck with. Right. You fucking just marked me, man. You had me marked. Oh, shit. He's got a tail. Two tails. Yep. And here, here she comes. Oh, the wonderful, wonderful Vera Vagmar, Vagmir, Vagmir, Far, Farmiga, Farminga? <laughs> yes. Farminga. Farminga. Vera Farminga, yes. Thank you. Wow, I'm s terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually curious, because, you know, obviously this is one of her better, um, 
her better roles. But uh, uh, what are some of the other roles that you've seen uh, Vera in? Because uh, I think the last thing that I saw her in was uh, um, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, give me a second. I've seen her in a lot, but I'm not recalling off the top of my head. Let me bring th some things up. Um, oh, yeah. She was in Up in the Air, which was an amazing Oh, film. Uh, with uh, George Clooney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. I, I hear it's oh, really it's fucking good. It's really good. Um, that's probably the one I, I remember the most besides this. Um, oh, this shot right here coming up. I love. For some reason, this just gets me. Where it's the sideways angle. Where you take advantage mm -hmm. of the letterbox format and really make him look tall. Yeah. For some reason, that kind of angle... That, that almost feels like, you know, a comic comic book graphic novel kind of angle in a weird way. I gotcha. Bye-bye. Now, in all fairness, that's just Boston driving. <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. But, okay, I've been I about... Did, uh, yeah, I did not like driving through Boston. I, I have, not I, I've literally been... Uh, all over the continental and non-continental U.S. I've been to Alaska. The only places that I haven't been are Las Vegas and the New, uh, New England states. Otherwise, I've been – and Hawaii. Otherwise, I've been all over the states. I've driven all over the states. I've been, driven in L.A. I've driven in Manhattan. I've driven in Chicago and Philadelphia all over. Boston, by far, is the worst fucking place to drive. And I'll get to that a little bit more after the scene because I love the use of music in this scene. This is Scorsese at his finest when he uses the needle drop. It is the no, 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 no. When the music is elevated and it's all just telling him, you shouldn't be doing that. No, no, no. Ow. I love this. Just damn. The outburst, the, the randomness. Oh, no, no. This isn't random. That is straight planned. Oh, I know it is, but it's so, it's, it feels so spontaneous and so almost accidental, and which is kind of a signature <laughs> thing with Scorsese. Um, and, I, and I also, oh, yeah, this dessert. You know, the, the, the one thing that I really love about the, uh, Vera's performance in this movie is in the photography is that I don't know what it is but Vera has never looked better because this movie really knew how to yeah. uh, um, really make her eyes pop you know because she looks gorgeous oh and, and this and scene here this, well right where he's, he's he, checking out the nurse it's, it's showing their different levels of where they are in their conquests. Yeah, he, their, uh, I think... Uh, what they're feeling sexually. I think uh, in the, uh, the the context of the script, I think it was written where it's like, yeah, he looks at a, a really young, nice nurse patching him up. In another lifetime, he probably would have asked her out on a date. Not this one. <laughs> Which, you know, in all fairness, that's totally where it is. And I love that he kept that little, that little scene. This right to, here, to though, complain. baller fucking move. Like... Who says I want to see you again? What a cocky asshole. 
It is, but it's a great way to put him off, like, to put him on the back foot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Get him off guard. Oh, yeah, and this and is And again, the whole thing. we talked about this yeah. in the beginning yep. with the psychoanalysis. Yep. Check the pre-show. <clears throat> but, uh, no, what, so, yeah, I'm just, like, always blown away whenever Veer is on screen because it's, uh, I, I, I know it's 90% of the photography, um, but she has never looked better. In my opinion. Oh, I mean the. They, it, it, they, for, every, but everyone looks good in this movie. They make people look amazing. That is true, but for some reason, it's just Vera that always stood out because they know how to light their eyes. And usually, when I'm, you know, and that, when I'm, at, right there though, that attitude that cops have. So many cops have that attitude, and it's right there why it's like all cops are bastards. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, going back, first off, going back to the uh, the, the the violence with the uh, the uh, the guys in the uh, um, the restaurant. Um, mm. oh, hold on, though, but here. The oh first yes. Encounter. Oh, dude, the look. Just watch Leo's performance in this, where he's sipping his his cranberry juice and he's looking so like he's out. He, I almost feel like these looks that he's giving should immediately out him, you know, because he's just like. Uh, no, you know, I'm not, I'm not suspicious at all. Not suspicious at all. But, I, but the, but it's also the awkward intimidation. <laughs> oh, dude, Frenchie, seriously. He is the nope. scariest movie guy in the movie, I think. Even scarier than Jack <laughs> Nicholson. Just because he is so at ease. With the well, intensity you know, around him. You know he's very much based off of um, Whitey Bulger's second-in-command, who had a habit of killing his lovers so they couldn't rat him out. That's... Like, when a relationship would end, he would just kill them rather than break up, because it's easier that they have no dirt on him. That's messed up, yo. And that's why they have that reference about, yeah. like, she got reliable. Yeah, she got reliable. That's That's a terrifying line yeah i mean they never use the term whitey bulger but this movie screams whitey bulger for real i mean that's what jack nicholson primarily based his performance on i love that leopard that leopard skin tie. oh yeah because <laughs> i know he basically was allowed to do whatever the hell he wanted to do just to add to the unpredictability and in and not just like the weird suggestions and whatnot uh, I imagine he also had a hand in like his uh, wardrobe, like that that leopard tie had to have been a Jack yeah, Nicholson I mean, thing. I I know this is not Nicholson's last film, but to me, this is his swan song. I you know what? I can see that. Yeah, a little bit, just a little bit, because man, he is up there now. Is he is he actually officially retired yet? Oh yeah, he's been officially retired for some years now. Okay, he did he did, did some movies after this, but to me, this is his last grand amazing performance yeah yeah i i wouldn't uh, i wouldn't want to refute that either and it, he was reluctant to do this at first but he's like he wanted to play a villain again and he met with like scorsese and dicaprio and he's like i'm in you know because uh, okay how would you have felt if this was uh, al pacino instead because i know that was scorsese's I, first choice how I don't see how you can have Pacino played an Irish mobster. I just cannot see it. Probably not. But uh, un honestly, it is... Oh, this bit here where... Ow! Oh. 
Okay, did you notice that if you look closely when he slams it down, they skip a couple of frames when they edit. That's something that I've noticed, and I love that they do that to accentuate the hits. They, they you know, take a, just like one or two frames out yeah. just to, you know, because, you know, the, the whole uh, rationale is, is that, you know, if you're moving that fast or if you're that violent, you'd be skipping frames in real life, too. So it becomes like a hyper-realistic yeah. kind of thing. Like, oh. I, th I think... Ooh! Ow. Shit. Look at the insanity on his face! Like, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> just, I like I like the start of this. He he flips off a few bills and then he just leaves the whole like, thing. Uh, yeah, leaves the whole roll. He's like, like, fu yeah, like right. oh fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks so pleased with himself. I know, right? I use this line so often. This IRA motherfucker in my bar. <laughs> also the follow-up oh i know the the follow-up bit is great how's your mother we all are act oh, accordingly so good that's so good shit man that that cut i don't know what it is where just him wiping his face But yeah, you're totally right, because uh, he only did two movies after this, uh, which yeah. were The Bucket List and How Do You Know, um, which I hear aren't that great of movies, to be honest. Like Bucket, Bucket List is worth a watch just because of the caliber of the actors in it. Yeah, and then How You Know is just like, whatever. But this really was like truly his last great hoorah. Yes. On this this cut here, just how fast yep. it is, boom! And it shows it as I said, it shows exactly though, like that. That's all it needed to be like. We now know who this is supposed to be reflecting in the real world. Yep. Oh, shit. Oh, this, the way the cuts over this man. You know, apparently um, Mar Marty had a really hard time editing this just because of the content. <laughs> and it's crazy because he's like, look, I like this movie a lot, but man, was it a pain in the ass to, to edit just based on the content and whatnot. Um, uh. And uh, it's so strange that he's like, I didn't really want to do a whole lot of uh, promos or interviews or press beforehand because I didn't think anyone would want to see it. Do, well, guess do what? Know, do you know that the final cut of this movie wasn't even decided on until a week before it hit theaters? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was that doing, like... late, like, whew. Well, he was also... Well, he just... Because Marty is just so um, self-conscious when it comes to the editing process that... Oh, Jesus Christ, that, that look from French always gets me. Um, 
but he is yeah. so self-conscious about it that he will constantly be retooling it right up until the very end. I think one of the most uh, famous examples when was when he did Goodfellas. He was editing it right up wow. until the premiere. And even as the premiere went and we got to see the final cut, which is a brilliant cut, even he is, you can, people sitting next to Scorsese while they were watching it, was he's constantly just kicking himself like, oh, I should have done this. Like, oh, this wasn't right. Oh, this I needed to put this like one frame out there. Right. Like, because he is so precise and sensitive in the editing process. And I think uh, Thelma is the one who really knows how to, uh, to ground him in that. Because, um, you know, sometimes Thelma would get uh, a list of instructions on how to cut something. She'll cut it together exactly the way that he described. And he'll look at it and he's like, well, what the hell is this? I didn't, this isn't what I want. This is all garbage. And so he just, they just throw the whole thing out and they just start from scratch. And they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> and that's the work, <laughs> that is the working process between an editor and a director. You know? Um, and I also, and oh, Jesus, seriously, French. <laughs> have, okay, I, I actually got to rem, uh, remind myself because I, I think it's a little late in this screening to, to, to notice it. Okay. That the hand, Jesus, <laughs> it's so casual. Fuck. And it, and it doesn't even phase her. Nope. But, uh, I actually want to know, does, does Frenchie actually blink in this movie? Hmm. It's a little, it's a little, I, it's a little late in the screening to, to, to tell, but, um, honestly, I don't know if he blinks throughout this entire movie, and that's just what makes him so fucking creepy. <laughs> and that whole bit where he's just, like, lost in thought, and I don't even want to know what's going on in his head, you know? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck, man. These people are hardcore. Also, why would you get rid of the wire like that? Wouldn't you want to, like, pocket that shit and just, like, burn it later? No, you want no evidence on yourself. It'll sink. You're fine. But wasn't that in, like, their pool? Wouldn't no, you have that's to... in the river. Oh, it was in the river. Okay. That, that that makes sense now, because I always thought that because it's so fast and the water's like kind of clear, I always thought he threw it into the pool, which I'm like, dude, no. you're just that that's that is so bad. <laughs> you're just leaving evidence. Yeah, I mean, that's either the river or like the bay or the Atlantic. I mean, it's on the water. OK, because that makes a lot more sense now. That's that's was one of the one parts of the movie where I'm like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> the 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 uh the end note on this scene is just amazing yeah and i really want to know what the such, purpose such a cop answer this is perfect i think you are a cop my son uh, the the bowl of ice what the is bowl the bowl of ice i want to know what the hell is the the, the reasoning behind this de-stressing okay that's a new one that's usually how i would keep myself awake at night honestly Oh, shit. What the hell? Oh, knock the dude's teeth out. 
You know, I think the cigarettes are the reason why his teeth popped out so easily. Because <laughs> did, did you see those teeth? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, this line here is one of my favorite lines in the movie. This is America. You don't make money, you're a fucking douchebag. Now what are you going to do? <laughs> I love that. That is that is America right there. This is right. America. You don't make money, you're a fucking douchebag. So what are you going to do? Make more money. That's the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> He's like, so? What? Whatever. <laughs> well, you know what a bookie is, right? <laughs> well, he's not wrong, but still, I think uh, that's the wrong street lingo that you wanted there, there Tiger. Yeah, you looking at him, bitches. Right. <laughs> oh, I do like this this little system here. Ask for Mikey, just Mikey. You ask for Mikey because there is no Mikey. And we'll call you. Jesus. Just can you imagine being Leo DiCaprio in a car uh, with two people like that? No, seriously, and, put Leo in your shoe. It, it, put yourself in Leo's shoes, in a car well, with those two murderers. Well, but I mean, yes, I mean, like the character. Yeah, that's. I mean, no wonder he's having always panic attacks. However, Leo does point a highlight of his career was working with Nicholson and the scenes he did with Nicholson. Oh yeah, so dude, are like, you kidding me? It, oh, I mean, how could it not be? Exactly. Like, dude, it, it, it's like if I was, you know, attached to direct, you know, Al Pacino's last movie, I would be thrilled. Al Pacino is one of my favorite actors. That's I just point him out just because I love his energy and I love his bravado. And I love the fact that he can pull out something amazing in absolute shit. Seriously, if you have, like, I think uh, one of the worst movies that I actually had to sit down and watch was Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill. Al Pacino is in the movie, and he is by far the best part of the entire movie. I don't, I can't articulate it, but he is, he actually makes me like, hey, maybe I can, you know I, what, I'll stick around for the ending just what I, for what Al Pacino. I love. Yeah. What I love about this scene is that, like, here he's got a new effective member of his group, and he's trying to get him out. Like, he still cares enough about him to be like, you have options. Do shit, man. That is true. Because he, well, I mean, in all fairness, he's not exactly a bad guy, sort and of. And there is no way, at this period of time, you can't address this issue if you're making a movie involving Boston. So. Oh, shit. Yeah. Isn't it also kind of implied that uh, uh, Matt Damon's character was abused as a kid through the Catholic Church? I didn't Church? catch that. Well, I know some people have uh, got, had that interpretation, um, that that's how you know he was able to get such a strong father figure 
uh, through Jack Nicholson. Um, there's there's a lot of I don't I don't really buy it myself. Yeah, I think they might also take it because of his impotence, but he decided to be impotent because he wanted to be a direct reflection of Costello being Costello's a, ma- a sex maniac, and so yeah. it made more it made sense for Colin to be impotent exactly like a uh, as a like ref- dark reflection. Okay, I would like to point out the fact that this is the second best picture film that actor has been in now. Oh, what was the other one? Uh, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm he lost. played Stephen the crazy man in Braveheart. Oh my God, you're totally right. Yep. Holy shit, that's right. I love it. I love like there's such he has such there's so much depth in this movie of talented actors that people don't even really remember from some of their best roles. Oh yeah, or uh, what was the there was uh, one of the other members of Costello's crew. It's not this guy. Uh, it's the one. Oh, the, yeah, the the skinny who was in Shawshank. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the he was. Uh, uh, he gets shot later. Yeah, he uh, he was the uh, the the leader of the sisters that fucking yep. raped uh, Andy Duf- poor Andy Dufresne. Yep. Or kept trying to. <laughs> yeah, that was man. That was such a great movie, but man, that's messed up. That's prison life for you. That's it. <laughs> And I love this. He has to look up to the camera. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> He's like... You know, you would think... Don't they... Can't, like, the other guys behind him... Can't they hear what, what he's saying to him? No, he turned everything off. Yeah, I know, but... How fucking incriminating is that, though? not because they get to the right place even though it's already on fire you see my point he gets Uh, them out but he also gets the information so they were too late but it shows that he made a good play it's a brilliant move oh boy The codes, I swear, for, for, right. for between <laughs> these people. Also, I love the uh, the stylized on how quickly everything lights up. Yeah. Just voosh. well, you know they ha- they put accelerant on that floor. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but it's all for the sake of the visual communication. Oh yeah, yeah. Style stylization is always it, it, it should always trump. Um, realism if you want to convey an idea of the story. But see, right there, again, why why people hate cops? Oh, we're going to lie about where we surveil them so we can get a warrant. <sighs> okay, this the editing here, watch this. Just how, it's literally just frames. Yep. Damn! It's so fast, but it's, it conveys so much. I love the fact that they have a banana. She's yeah, the banana, a banana yep. during the impotence scene. Yep, yep. And of course, he just tries to brush it off. 
It's like, I'm not going to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> also, I hate to say it, but that explosion was super CG. <laughs> uh, as is some of the, the blood, like the, the, uh, the blood squib effects. Like, I know that's a product of, like, the mid-2000s and whatnot, like the computer-generated squibs and explosions and whatnot. Because I remember, this is, this is actually, like, on one of the first film projects that I worked on, um, I had access to, you know, like, action effects and whatnot, where we could, and they showed us demo tapes of uh, what you could do with it. Like, you know, you can make cars explode, you could add squibs, you could add blood effects and whatnot, and we were like, oh, that sounds so cool! And looking back, it's like, what the fuck were we thinking? <laughs> so, I love this interaction here, but something I want to point out: uh, Vera actually had the had her script of her uh, like her characters' parts and such. She consulted with a psychiatrist about this, and the psychiatrist was like, "This this doctor, this psychiatrist does literally everything wrong." Like, <laughs> well, in all fairness, that's kind of the point. Okay, the. Right. Seriously, dude, this the editing with this is some of my favorite of the movie. And you can tell he's a dad with a kid. Like he doesn't even need to uh, the all the 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 baby toys on there is yeah. the visual way to avoid the cliche of like, "No, please, I have a kid." Right? Like you don't have to say don't say, show it. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but when he gets shot in the head, there's like a brief freeze frame for it where the, mm -hmm. the blood goes out. Yeah. And again, it's like little touches in the frames themselves that s sell so much of uh, the, the violence in the movie. Because Scorsese yeah. does movie violence unlike anyone else I know. And he's probably my biggest influence for showing movie violence. Because it's real, it's dirty, it's stylized, and it's very cinematic. <laughs> you know i really do genuinely wonder because i look at leo dicaprio's eyes throughout this movie he constantly looks like he hasn't slept in like 48 hours yeah i really want to know is that a makeup thing or did he like actually like because let's be honest, Leo DiCaprio would be the person who would be like, try to not sleep a whole lot to get that, that look and effect for himself. Yeah. Because it's seriously in the, especially in the moments where he doesn't have any dialogue and he's just sitting there, acting and uh, internalizing. That's when. I think uh, when it's it's the it's the the moments of pause where Leo's performance really gets to shine because it's the looks on his face that convey more to, to everything than his frantic ravings, you know. 
is Marky Mark being a little too hard on this guy? Uh, not really. Because Jesus Christ. That, see, now that felt a I little. Don't, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it, it's him intentionally being hard on him. I think he just has this very intense sense of this is the hierarchy and fuck you. Okay. But I don't know. I'm just like, dude, can you like lay off for like 10 minutes, man? This guy is, ba this guy is basically in the uh, social equivalent of a, uh, a nuclear a nuclear weapons uh, <laughs> depot. <laughs> so I'm actually curious because uh, we, I mean, you know, uh, spoilers, I guess, but we know that, uh, you know, Costello is actually an informant for the FBI. Right. But uh, does that justify anything that he does? Well, no, and you also have to think about it particularly. Um, it's based off of Bolger, and Bolger's relationship with the FBI was almost entirely abusive. He he ratted to the FBI to get them to take out his competitors, and then basically gave them absolute shit, but the FBI agent kept covering for him by say, by getting tips from other people and attributing them to Bolger. Yeah, wasn't he convicted because of that, uh, oh, yeah. that kind of shit? yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's he literally only used it to get rid of rivals. And you know what? That's essentially what Costello's doing, too, because he's like, I can. He's like, well, shit. No, that's like a, you know, a, a license to murder almost. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm actually kind of curious in the world of this movie. Who's the FBI handler to Costello? What do you mean? It's it's the guy in the meetings with them. They show it in the pictures. It's the same guy, FBI guy, who was in the meeting with the police. Oh, uh, Alec Baldwin's character? No, the FBI guy who's in there with Baldwin's character. Oh, 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 the one that Matt Damon pops in the end, right? No. No? It's the guy who was like... Do you have any, when he, he's asking, do you have anyone in with Costello right now? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Oh, it's okay. It's that guy. Okay. Um, I'm surprised he's not a more prominent character in the movie. Doesn't need to be. I guess you're right. Because, I mean, really, what's the point? I, 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 the only way you could really expand on that is if they ever did a sequel, which I, I, I'm told that they were kind of sort of interested in doing. Yeah. A sequel to oh. this, kind of like the the Infernal Affairs movies. I I would like to point out since yes. we're, we're on the topic of Whitey Bulger, it was alleged somebody alleged they saw him watching this in a movie theater in San Diego, which may or may not have been true, considering he was eventually caught in Santa Barbara. Oh shit, California. Really? So yeah, did he have an opinion about it? I'm actually curious. Did he ever make I a don't statement? Know. I don't know. Okay, because I'd be interested in you if he'd be like. This movie's fucking. This movie's fucking hilarious, so, or something right. like that. Coming up is one of my favorite non-dialogue acting delivery moments in this movie. Oh shit! Yeah, for real, she does do all the wrong moves in this. Oh yeah, that's such a bad thing. 
right right here here it comes oh yeah this her body like her body yeah, reaction yeah. right there it's it's so subtle it's so good just like yeah yeah that's just that uh, that's great acting and great direction man i love it oh in this operation this this whole bit here man so is alec baldwin I'm, I'm... and uh um uh so let's see alec baldwin uh martin sheen and leo dicaprio probably like the only good cops quote unquote in this movie is that actually no i think Queenan's the only good cop in the movie I yeah think. the really only the, the only really good cop in the movie and uh, of course naturally he's rewarded by <laughs> getting fucking off in probably the most well, okay, horrifying so, way so the the alec baldwin character crotch grab is just like oh wow. yeah <laughs> just he has okay that he's got to be on cocaine or something he's on he's on something right now because he can or maybe he's just you know so turned on by the idea that he's finally going to get cut nail costello because you know he's it, it reminds me of that moment in uh the big short with uh with ryan gosling he's like fucking jack i'm jack to the tits <laughs> so <laughs> oh, what a good, just a co great cover. And, and here a, we he, now have a Shakespeare quote. Yes. So I guess Martin Sheen's character knows fucking Shakespeare, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Man... His subtle uh, so weight hand wave. There, like, there is a part here I'm going to want your take on because my yes. friend argues with me, and I'm like, it's very obvious to me. And as another cinephile, I assume it's obvious to you, and I'm going to want your verification. Oh, okay. And what would that be? I'm actually really curious. Okay, so, like, when you have the automatic weapon scene, Costello's got guys in the rafters with shotguns trained on the Chinese. It's super obvious. They show it. Yeah. And my buddy's always like, that's not what's like, oh, is oh, that hey. what that is? That's not what's going on. I'm like, that's really obvious. Hey, Sean, like, you remember these, these when you had to remember how oh, to yeah. text Oh, yeah. Like, it? this is, this is skill of an insane level to be able to do that without eyes. I used to be able to do, I, uh, I had a flip phone like that, so I did that too. I, right, I, but I could to be do able it without being it. able to look at it? Ooh. Oh, I could, oh, I could do it. I, or at least I used to be able to, you know, back when I had a flip phone. Which, but for the record, I had one for the longest time. I think I finally got one in, like, 2011. No, 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 not even that. I think I finally got rid of my uh, flip phone in, like, 2015. Yeah, I was it was really late in the game. Uh, but, yeah, I remember you being able to use to do that. Let me, but let me see what you you were talking about with those those weapons. Yeah, I'll I'll show you. It's right here. Because technically, shotguns aren't automatic weapons. I know, I know, but it's the fact that like they're being covered, and my buddy didn't 
agree with me. Mm. Well, I certainly didn't have didn't have a hand in that. Okay, yeah, they have. Uh, now, I remember that uh, Scorsese actually wanted uh, the directors and the stars of the, of the movie to cameo as these guys, but for some reason they couldn't. That, that is the one thing in this movie to make it even more awesome, is if they had the original yeah. cast and crew of the, uh, the original Infernal Affairs to cameo as these guys. Yeah. So, right here. Yeah. With automatic weapons. Because they're trying to be intimidating. Yes. But now he's got a revolver, so that's not a Right, but... <laughs> God. In this country, it inches to your dick. <laughs> I love that line. So... Right here, you see, it, it feels like they're at a disadvantage because they don't have automatic weapons. But watch this cut. They're, those are Costello's men. Yeah. With rifles pointed at all of them, uh, all those, the Chinese. Those look like shotguns, actually. Yeah, they're right, they are. But that's my point, is that Costello isn't worried because he's got them flanked and they don't know it. Yeah. And my buddy never read it that way. He was trying to say that's more Chinamen. And I'm like... No. 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 And besides, how many of them how many of them are on the actual floor there? Right. Why would you have your your guys turn their guns on yourself? Like I always bug me that oh, he just does not shit. read that right. Oh shit. Matt Damon's like smell a rat in your midst. Oh, and this 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 is one of my favorite insults. <laughs> you know, I really can't tell if the now I'm gonna have to like go back and like take a look at the uh, the the, the close-up of those guys with the shotguns because i actually can't tell if those are the part of costello's crew or with the chinamen yeah i i i oh. they have to be costello's crew it only makes sense also that line has yeah. a really interesting callback later because we'll get to it the exterior of costello's restaurant is actually in real life like they made a laundromat look like the exterior of his restaurant. It's oh. where the actual laundromat is in Beacon Hill, and I have taken pictures of it because I stayed right around the corner from there when wait, I was wait, staying wait, in wait, Boston wait, wait, wait. for five minutes. Oh, shit, I can't. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if those were. Uh, what? They, they, they cut oh, back to yeah. them. I, I couldn't tell. Shit. Again, I'm going to have to really scrutinize. I, I, the... There's no way. Why would. They can't be. They Like, they're. They're from the back, but it has to be Costello's people. That's why they have him flanked, and he's not worried. Well, they also have a Navy, so... And right there, <laughs> you're seeing people in the background that were not on the floor with them. So it makes sense. All right, I'll go with it. Okay, now this I thought was really funny. 
Oh, yeah. Can I talk to you for a second, please? Just come here. <laughs> he doesn't even waste any time. <laughs> um, so it could just be me, but I think that guy's fired. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't think, I don't, I, yeah, I think that guy's just fired. Oh, hey, check it out. More X's. Because you know about the uh, the X motif, right? Yeah. About he, every character you see is marked by an X to mark for death, which is, you know, that's a, for those of you who don't know, uh, that is a reference to the original Scarface from 1932, the Howard Hawks movie, not the Al Pacino one. Um, but yeah, there's a, a, an X to foreshadow a character's death. So anytime you see a character with an X marks next to him, that's basically means they're fucking dead. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, girl right there with the backpack, Scorsese's daughter, I believe. Yeah, I know, man. How many kids? Doesn't he have like seven kids or something like that? Oh, who knows? Because he's, he, man, he gets around. Because <laughs> I, I do remember that uh, um, when uh, he he won the Oscar for Best Picture for this one. Uh, he, 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 you know, he remarked that his uh, kids are probably staying up way, way past their bedtime watching this and jumping up and down <laughs> on the beds and make. A, he's like, go, yeah, just go ahead, jump up on the beds, make a lot of noise for for pops. So, <laughs> which I thought was really, really cute. I do love the fact that if you remember the the presentation for his Oscar for best director was presided over by Spielberg and Lucas. Oh yeah, dude, I thought that was the so best. Those, yeah, those three guys on the stage together, that was really cool. When when you know when you see uh you know, your old college buddies going up to preside for best director, you like you fucking know you won right there and then. Like <laughs> Um and for the and honestly I'll probably put his acceptance speech in the uh, the comments below for you guys. Um but uh if you ever if you ever watch And now it, Gilby Shelter comes back. Oh yeah. Rape, murder—it's just a shadow way. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, apparently, like, if you ever watched his accept his acceptance speech, the chemistry between Spielberg and uh, Francis Ford Coppola is—it's exactly how you would expect uh, um, your your old college, like you know, fifty-year-old college buddies would be. I mean, I I watched it live, so. <laughs> Cause uh, oh wait actually it wasn't even George Lucas there too. Yeah. Yeah yeah because I know it was like you know, uh, Spielberg and uh, Francis were like we know it's such an honor to be nominated and whatnot. And he's uh -huh. like hey guys I well I mean I was nominated a couple of times but I never won one. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, and, yeah. and he's like well and and you know he's like uh, uh, George is like well it's you know it's just nice to be recognized and not actually get the award right guys. And Spielberg and Francis just <laughs> look at each other, and they go, "No, it's not." <laughs> yeah, but Lucas could dry his eyes on those billions of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the the Woody Harrelson meme of drying your eyes. <laughs> oh uh, man, this exchange between them. 
<laughs> Who the fuck are you? Oh. <laughs> Just the awkward pause where he's like, yes, right. yes, I do. We got a cop in my crew. He was there, though. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's true. I mean, seriously, the guy, it's at least it's like narrowed down to the people that were with him that night. Right. Get you? Get you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus that is so bad oh i love that split diopter shot yep i really want to do yeah i love it when they do those kinds of shots oh yeah okay so coming up this is so there's a lot of really great little scenes and really but honestly i think probably the best uh of what thelma schumacher and martin scorsese are famous for over the years in terms of just sheer editing and storytelling honest i, I think what is probably their peak at what they've been trying to do for all these years is coming up in this in this next scene because you know, in the background we have you know the uh, the choir going on, the uh, yep. the church proceeding, and as a little Easter egg, that I'm yacht, there. that yacht <laughs> in the background, that is the same yacht that they used in uh, Wolf of Wall Street to be the Naomi. Yep. But uh, what what? But that uh, uh, that choir and the uh, the the church event going on in the background is exceptionally important for how it transitions to the next scene. And I'll and I'll get there when we get there, but it, which is really it's it's coming up really close. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not like you can get it up anyway, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, the the the, uh, the the procession of angels, and the uh, the the mute the heavenly music, and now how it cuts to this next bit with Frenchie with the uh, the the uh, the fireworks. Yeah. The pu and the puzzle piece with oh. the drugs, and boom, it's smashed immediately. Yeah. All of these little inserts add so much poetry, like. The last puzzle piece on the table next to the druggie. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that movie playing was called The Imposter, which is very, very appropriate. Frenchie using the fireworks to cover for the uh, the possibility of gunfire. Yeah. And of course, even the use of the Dutch tilt. 
you know, that something's off, something's wrong. And even the the use of needle drop, where they, where, when he pops him in the uh, the lap there, the music elevates and gets more intense. All of these little tiny pieces add to this perfect setup for a confession. That's what this yep. scene is. It's a confession, and he sets it up, you know, being a a, a lifelong Catholic. Yeah. Scorsese sets it up with religious overtones at the beginning. And then immediately, as soon as he gets in the car, cut. Yep. Dude, the way the way that's all put together, that what that might have must have been like what maybe two minutes tops, maybe. Yep. That is, it it, it adds so much richness to because honestly, you could probably film that same scene, and it would have been you could make it so boring. You know, uh, which and, and it shouldn't be that boring of a scene anyway, because it's a big reveal. Costello's working yeah. for the uh, the FBI. Um, but there are so many other ways to film it and it just wouldn't have the same impact. But Scorsese adds so many new layers to that kind of reveal. Yeah, it's it's, and, it's really hard to and, articulate. I could literally. But, but I. Uh, but again, uh, to talk about the director right right there, you have him. This, oh, the that opera. Moment, well, right. We'll, we'll get to the opera in a second. But that moment where you're showing like, okay, Costello and Sullivan have this, you know, dad-son relationship. Now Queenan and Costigan are having this father-son relationship. That's true. Like they're paralleling it I there love intentionally. This. Where he, where so, I love where it and just the camera so, uh, has the yeah. two of them. Then pans over to the other, and now it's the three of them. That's awesome. This this whole scene was oh, the opera scene was God. Nicholas. Yeah, it, it was it was uh, Jack Nicholson's idea, and I would like to point out that there is allegations that Jack Nicholson used to have freaking crazy coke parties and would have women Dude. do coke off his erection. <laughs> So it, it, are you sure I, he's not, is, Are you sure he's doing? I'm pretty sure that's exactly what's going below frame in that one shot where he's well, just right, like uh, he throws coke at his at his girlfriend, whatever's crotch, and has the prostitute go at it. And I'm just like, is this even Costello or is Jack just being Jack? Yes, the answer is yes. Because again, I've read the script for like the actual screenplay for this. And this is probably one of my favorite insert or one of my favorite scenes in the movie, um, just based on the screenplay, because that scene where he just gives that look of like, uh, like clearly the hooker is like doing coke off his erection, um, below below frame. Oh no, that's not off his erection. That's he threw the coke in his wife's, in his girlfriend's, in Gwen's crotch, and then sent the hooker to go lick it up. Oh, well, well, either way, the point is... <laughs> I don't know how you missed that one. The, the point is where... Uh, <laughs> the point is, like, whatever's going off camera um, <laughs> is... Yeah. Uh, but the, the script for that particular scene, it's literally just this. Interior. Penthouse. Or whatever. Um, you know, night or wherever. But it's just these two sentences. Costello fucks. And he fucks weird. That's all that they were given in the screenplay. <laughs> this cover, this cover of comfortably numb, yeah, with man. this scene, so perfect. 
Oh man, comfortably comfortably numb, man. That's that's a song that has some memories with me. And uh I guarantee you they're just about as sexy as this. <laughs> <laughs> like shit. Oh. That's just a good that's um, just a good song, man. Like especially when yeesh. like even the original cover, like where when you know Roger Waters goes into his gu- guitar solo and it just I mean it I mean it's a great song, but like it's on my depression playlist, not my really? let's get sexy playlist. Real oh, oh well, I mean it does work for that too, but it just happened to be playing at a at a moment in my life that was uh Woo. I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything on air because uh, there were quite a few people. Because you're engaged there. now, I get it. Um, <laughs> well, not just that, but uh, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, good, good times, good times. Uh, and besides, like honestly, when you really get into like when it gets into the guitar solo, you. I mean, honestly, it's just about as powerful as Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On," man. Like. Uh, but i can totally see why it would be on your depression playlist because if you actually listen to the lyrics of that shit it's fucking depressing especially because i take i take it you've seen the wall right many times right yeah yeah and that when that scene's playing it's uh it's far from sexy i tell you what man the chemistry between these two Is it me or is like Leo DiCaprio just getting way more hot in this scene than in the rest <laughs> of the movie? Cause that that the, the looks that he gives with his eyes in this scene. Cause because I you know, and, editors are but, but but right there, her response, her stare and look away, it's like yeah. she knows she's about to make a bad decision, but she's not gonna stop herself. <laughs> And I also love how it cuts to this scene right here because obviously there's some more scene to it, but it doesn't matter because yeah. it just that's that's the right cut to move into. Um, but uh, oh god, I'm tri- but because uh, I always like to say you know like editors are always fond of saying that editing is a dance of eyes. I think that's Walter Murch who said that, but in this case it really. That's it. That yeah. really drives home the case that editing is all just a dance of eyes and hands. Whoo, that's hot. And you know, for as, as crazy and outrageous as uh, most Scorsese movies are, the sex in them is always mildly tame. Remember, like in Goodfellas, like where you know. Yeah. It's it's really just like a real tame sort of thing, man. That's not where his focus is. No, that's no an accentuation. That's not not the point. No, it is it is so not the point at all. Um, although it does get sexy again, sort of later on in the movie, in the uh, the theater. <laughs> <laughs> See anything you like? <laughs> oh my god, I love that shit. You know what's really sad? 
I hate how I hate how piggish and right he is about mach- the status of America. Huh? Yeah, kind of. Well, I just like I hate the fact that he's overly piggish and just so ew, but weirdly he's right. Yeah, that's the awful. shitty part about it. Well, that's his whole character. Like, he's a terrible person, but he's really doesn't tend to be wrong. Follow the envelope. Oh, hey, there it is, man. Now, I forget if... Because I know that Scorsese has worked with pornographic film before. Like, he'd used some in Taxi Driver and whatnot. Oh, yeah. But like uh, I forget if this was, like, an actual porno or if they went and had, like, a B-unit shoot some stuff. Because, let's be honest, this is kind of tame for a porno. Uh, yeah. It could also be the early scenes. But, again, I don't know. Yeah, um, that's true. I will say something interesting. <laughs> <for> us- <laughs> oh fuck! The, the strap on, like what the hell? What the hell, Jack Nicholson? Because we know that's that's all Jack. That is all yeah. Jack. Um, so one of the interesting things, uh, Scorsese said this was his first movie he made with a plot, and when you think about it, it's kind of true because it is. all his other movies are character studies. Yep. Yep. It's it's that's it's it is true. Like this is one of the few movies that actually has like a real plot to it. It's not just like all character, 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 story, story, story. Yeah. Like there's an actual you know consequences and yeah. uh, cause and effect sort of thing going on here. <laughs> I guess that's what you know. What maybe that's what was missing really that the Academy was like. Your movies are great, but you're not that great. We need to have some logical reasoning in this. It just can't be messy all over the place character studies. You got to have a plot if you're going to win best picture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, do porn theaters still even exist? Well, I mean, now I know I they don't. don't. I'm pretty sure don't they know. don't anymore. <laughs> like, uh, like regular theaters are pretty much dead at this point, or at least on exceptionally Life hard high. Yeah. So, I, and plus, I don't think porno theaters are very COVID friendly. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, even okay. So, like, let's just like rewind three years ago. Were porno theaters even a thing anymore? Well, I mean, this movie is. What, seven? What about fifteen years old now? Yeah, so. it's, it's it's fifteen years old this year. Yeah, yeah. So, but so even, I don't know if they were around then. I don't even know if they it's were. It's never around been then. a place I've gone. No, so. no. Although to, the only thing that does make sense is like you know the fact that Frank is like I own this place. I'm like, of course he oh, owns right. this fo- a place like this. And I also love this line. I think that's the main reason why the porno theater has been kicked off. Like, <laughs> like the fact that it's so easy to get, you know, fi- find pussy on the internet. <laughs> What's the point of jerking off in a theater? Am I right? Especially since we all know what's going on under that giant trench coat that everyone. <laughs> why are all these people here? Who are these people? These have got to be. I don't be... want to know. I don't want to know either. Okay, that sound effect where it's the, uh, you know, the uh-huh. percussion. 
every time I watch this, I always get fooled, and I always think that it's him getting up, and it's the seat making that sound. Ah, interesting. You know? Uh, and it and the fact that it continues over afterwards, I'm like, oh, it's a music cue. And I love, I love editorially when movies mix their non-diegetic music with the diegetic sound, you know, and it blurs the line between those two to the point where you're not sure where the non-diegetic stuff begins and the diegetic stuff ends. I yeah. love blurring that line, and I also love uh, that Scorsese uses these slowed down shots you know the where he you know because there are times where you shoot um multiple frame higher at a higher frame rate to get mm -hmm. that slow-mo effect oh, i love this right here that's that's i think that's a reference to chinatown um well they're in chinatown that's very true uh well i'm talking about the movie oh look there's our I red know, x I know. big red x and the silhouettes mm -hmm. that's very film noir that's the that's I think uh, that's straight out of White Heat, actually, which was another big inspiration for this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I I love it when you blend that sort of thing to. And I also love the lighting with the smoke. It's a, a hellish red, a crimson yep. red. Oh, this is so cool, and because and Scorsese knows how to use slow mo too, like the, with the footsteps. That was in slow mo. But when, you know, Leo's walking around, oh, false. Um, but uh, when Leo's walking around, it, it, uh, you can tell that they were shooting at 24 frames per second, but they slowed it down in post. Yeah. But they kept it anyway because um, I love it when movies do that deliberately. And because you can tell, like, when movies do that and they're like, oh, whoops, we didn't realize you could shoot frames, uh, uh, shoot cameras at higher frame rates. To get a slow motion effect, uh, <laughs> you can tell when novice directors do that. Um, yeah, but when an, a skilled filmmaker does it, it because it has a certain dreamlike quality to it. It has a certain mm -hmm. emotional reaction to it. Uh, I think one of the most blatant misuses of it was uh, in Jaws: The Revenge, when the oh, shark gosh. when the shark blows up, and they clearly shot it at twenty four frames a second. But they wanted to slow do a slow motion effect for post, but they didn't shoot it right, and they were stuck with the footage. So they're like, yeah. "Fuck it, it's just gonna look terrible. We gotta get this done. <laughs> I gotta get paid. Moving on, and it looks fucking terrible." <laughs> I love this drawing. I wonder if uh, yeah, um, rats. yeah. I I really wonder if uh, Jack Nicholson uh, sketches those himself. I have no idea. I would not be surprised if he did. Honestly, I love these scenes though. Like, the, oh, the, I know the the accusation inquisitor inquisitor type scenes are so good. I know that like ninety percent of this is improvised, and it's just uh, Jack Nicholson having the time of his fucking life. Because I imagine when he spits onto the other uh, drawing and whatnot. Uh, I imagine that was genuine looks of shock on Leo's face. <laughs> and seriously, man, Leo, Di we, I, Leo DiCaprio's performance, especially in this scene, cannot be understated. This actually, I, I know this was like a big moment for him acting wise, but just on screen in the context of the movie and as 
a performance piece. This mm -hmm. actually might be his finest scene he's ever done. Yeah, it's... The delivery from both of them here is just... It's beyond. And I love how he just, like, he says, I'm gonna kill everybody. Everyone who works for me. Fuck this. Because really, just look into each of, each of their eyes. Yeah. And you can see who these people are down, deep down. You can see the anxiety and the fear in w deep, hidden deep, deep down uh, Leo's, in Leo's psych psyche of his character. And you look in Jack Nicholson's eyes and you can see black evil and that could just be set off by anything at any given moment. I love that this great breaks the tension, causes misdirection, and then you know acts like a fool for a second, and yep. then just what's up, you, bitch? <laughs> right? <laughs> like shit. Oh man, I can't. It's. It's riveting, man. Because, look, uh, one of the great lessons that I... Oh, and the fact that he burns the thing, too. Yeah. That's partially. Almost unceremoniously, too. And I also love how... Uh, um, I think as an artist, Jack Nicholson understands that when he starts burning it, the smoke will rise and you can see the hellish uh -huh. evil that he is. <laughs> and he also gets to be a little goofy with it. You know, well, yeah, um, but the smoke adds that, you know, hellish, simmering, evil anger that he's got <laughs> um, seething underneath. Because, you know, one of the great lessons that I learned in film school um, is that the camera does not lie, shows no lies. And the fact that these actors can portray the amount of depth of panic and fear in leo's case and pure homicidal rage and evil in jack nicholson eyes <laughs> the fact that we can kind of pick up on even if you like you could literally watch this scene on mute in like a bar yeah. and whatnot and not and just walk in just in the middle of the scene and then walk away from the scene as soon as it's over and you will understand and every dynamic that's I, going I on. love that moment there where it's like where his responses, Costigan's responses are spot on and accurate enough that they've calmed Costello down. Yeah. He's less, he's, he's not quite, he's no longer on board that I need to kill this kid. I'm super suspect. It's like, maybe this kid's on the level. Like I'm still suspicious, but I'm not quite so like, mm, about it. And that's, that's the real skill of, uh, William Costigan's character. And he also has somehow is able to answer these impossibly cryptic questions that Frank yeah. gives him, you know? And what a great answer. Yeah, I think I could be you, but I'm not trying to be you. Yeah. 
heavy lies the crown sort of thing even and the intelligence that is portrayed through these guys too <laughs> seriously dude like the unpredictability of it like you know killing a fly <laughs> that's another great line and he eats the fly Ugh. right there french blinked oh okay well even so it was still it's still unsettling yeah. and then fucking jack here this is just jack being jack here yep <laughs> But he doesn't blink here, and that's always just... He doesn't lose eye contact at all, man. Fuck! Such an amazing scene. I love it, man. Seriously, you really could watch this on mute. No subtitles. In a bar. Just come in at the beginning of the scene, and as soon as it cuts away, you can walk away, and you will understand every dynamic that's going on in this scene. And that is always 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 the mark of a great film is if you can watch the movie on mute and understand what the hell's going on yeah that's the that's really the uh uh the true and i mean just look at the subsequent scenes like the conflict there with dignum their time to, like it all you could put this on mute and have a very good idea of what's in what's going on yep Although it's great that we don't watch these on mute and we just watch it on our oh, headphones yeah. because it's also the the playing with the sound effects that really because uh, there's a there's a moment coming up. Oh, a moment I, I love that you always hear the phones ringing in the background at the police station. Yep, I love it. It's it's because that's a, such a normal sound to hear in that environment. But this, that little bit right there where it just punches in and then uh -huh. it cuts away because that i don't know what it is about you know punching in on something and then immediately ripping away from it right but they did that in line with showing the office so it's like it heightens like like this is where they are this is the sound for it but well, now I, we're back to these two well my point is that scorsese and uh thelma they tend to do that quite a bit like they have this signature push in and then cut away push in and cut away just like this weird it's a weird way of jerking the audience around uh, yeah. as if on like a cinematic roller coaster. So, so coming up right very shortly is, is a subtle part that to me is super important. Yeah. And I'll, I'll point it out. I, I forgot to have this nice intimate moment here. Yeah. There's a lot of really there, great well, lessons in film in this movie. Well, I mean, they're both so conflicted and they don't want to tell each other what they're conflicted about. And so you have this moment where they're both internally struggling and it's reflected in a different conversation here. Mm-hmm. Cause this is another really great cinematic lesson in how to film intimacy, not, you know, not, not sex or anything, just intimacy. We actually, I, uh, one of my favorite, uh, lessons from uh, film school was, uh, we had to shoot a scene uh, of intimacy where we were given a script um, that was just line exchanges and we got to mm. interpret uh, how it would play out. Um, you know, some of them were good. I, I actually got to act in one of them, which was interesting. Right. 
Um, but uh, okay, okay, so right here. So oh, right, yeah, this. That, that exterior, that is actually a laundromat. It was literally a block and a half from where I was staying in Beacon Hill. So the this is a exterior of that restaurant there. So I imagine this is a real special locale for you. Yeah, yeah, it was. Honestly, I got my pizza across the street from there several times when I was in Boston. So while you were waiting out this, there, right there is what's so important. Person not found. Oh one. shit. That well, that was the first one. Yep. And now here, keep going. Here we come. She must be a cop. <laughs> Did you do it's that while juxtap- you... It's a juxtaposition. They're looking for cops, talking about cops. Like, they're talking about cops in this silly way while he's looking for cops. Yeah, okay. And also the uh, casual blood on his hands. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Look at the... Look. At, he, I think uh, he's got the right reaction. He's like, what the... F-? You know, I'm just going to look at it like, what the fuck, but not say a word. I also love the way he... W- walks he's he's con- he really looks like he's uh, ready to butcher someone <laughs> what <laughs> so while you were waiting for your pizza did you just like stand around and people watch to be like oh that's a cop that's not co- oh no that's not that's, that's not a cop you're not a cop it was it, it was winter so no i oh, waited okay, inside I gotcha. it was before covid gotcha all right this is what's important person there's two, Costigan and another one. Yeah. This is the only time you get the other proof that uh, Delahunt, the other the guy who gets shot and killed, actually was an undercover for another association. That's why there were two persons not found. It's not a question, but this is showing, not telling. It's the only way they tell you. Yep. And if There's you don't another... pay attention and catch it, you miss it. And I love that about this movie. Well, one, something else there was probably one of my favorite shots in the movie where it's the uh, the X in the background with the uh, the beams of light crossing one another where he's mm. on the phone. That's one of my favorite shots of the movie. Sorry, I was on one of my no, things. It's co- so no, it's cool. People, so, I've had so many people ask me, do you think he was actually a cop? Fucking duh. They, they, they show you right there. Yep. Yes, Della Hunt was a cop for another organization. Like, this is not hard. <laughs> but in all fairness, it's actually kind of brilliant to, you know, frame him as a cop for so that as, yeah. you know, as he, uh, um, as Costello is like, the cops are saying he's a cop, so I won't look for the cop. Right, and it's brilliant, but, like, they only give you this little bit to show you that, no, he actually was a cop. And that's so brilliant, but you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And that's just it. So many people I know, it's just like, and not to be rude, it's like, learn to watch movies! Yeah, for real, man. All right, now we got the, uh... You know, I actually th- remember watching this for the first time. I am thought, oh, man, this must be, like, the big third act. Like, there's weirdly, like, a fourth act in this movie, isn't there? So, they, yeah, and they had to take the red line... I think about a hundred times to get all the shots they needed for this. Oh, I believe it. And so this is actually shot on location. This must be one of yeah, the actual on, stuff from Boston. Yep, on the red line in Boston, which I, which was the line I took most often when I was staying there. So very familiar with it. So have you ever taken the uh, the, the New York subway? Yes. Okay, so which would be better, Boston, taking the subway in Boston or New York? 
Uh, I mean, I like Boston's better just because it's it's mostly elevated where I go, so you got to to see a lot. Oh, okay, cool. Whereas New York is, because New York subway yeah. is its own animal. Yeah, it's not it's not all elevated, but it's like it comes out and is elevated when you're crossing the river, and it's really cool and beautiful, and yeah, so. It, it kind of depends where you are and what parts, but I, I like any systems where they're above ground at all. Man, I love the cuts of the just the static shots of Boston. Oh, here. yeah. Now, I wonder if this location is actually one of the few ones uh, in Boston, because I know that they had to shoot like almost 70 percent of this movie in New York for the tax reasons and whatnot, which is totally, totally a thing. Uh, for filming if you've ever if you've ever made movies tax incentives for locations are always a thing regardless of where the uh, the actual story takes place that's why you have movies constantly in vancouver but i do wonder if this is actually in boston i think this is actually in boston i think the roof has to be how you can't have that background well, at least the uh, yeah, you're right. At least the background, because you can't, because that skyline is definitely not faked. Yeah. But I want to say the entire building, like this entire location building, is actually in Boston, like including like the interior. Yeah, but it, I I think it has to be like called something different, but. Mm -hmm. Or it's New York and we're all just blind because we don't know the skyline well enough. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you would know better. You were there. You were there. And yeah, but I mean, I didn't. I, I didn't see the skyline from the harbor very much. I wasn't really at the harbor. Oh, okay, that's fair. I was too busy cursing at the uh, the, the street because I still say that Boston is the worst place to drive ever. It was. It's a city that was made built before a time that cars were made. All the streets are one way. They haven't been maintained since the 60s. And there's nowhere to fucking park. Boston <laughs> yeah. sucks for driving. Oh, yeah, dude. Beacon Hill is all brick streets still. Brick streets. Yeah, man. And that's rough on the tires. It's rough on your ankles just walking up. Oh, my God, yeah. I, I actually... Uh, my grandmother was in one of the last few places in Illinois that still had its original brick uh, brick Ooh. roads. Like, she lived on the street that had the original brick roads. I don't know if it's still there or not, because she's moved since then. Oh, uh, shit. And again... As a real, I love the, the, yeah, yeah, real Catholic does the genuflex, you know, because he's no, he's probably gonna get popped. Oh shit! He's trying to play it off and be cool, but nope, these guys are not here to fuck around. And of course, if you didn't believe the uh, the X's were a motif. Yup. But the silence. And then the splat. All over him. The just all oh, over Jesus. Him. The silence preceding that is so effective. 
Scorsese does silence a lot better than most people. Um, and there's a moment later in the movie where he truly shines as a director for his use of silence. And there's actually a, uh, a wonderful video essay called The Art of Silence with Martin Scorsese um, on, on a video essayist that every fucking filmmaker needs to watch in full every frame of painting. Have you, have you seen those video essays? I have it. I'm going to have to send you a link, dude, and you're going to have to binge them because those essays, they, th sadly, they're no longer making any videos, but um, they, the video essays that they've put out on YouTube, I have learned more about cinema from his videos than 90% of what I was taught in film school. Well, uh, you should send that to me, and you should also put it in the link below this video. Oh, absolutely. I'll put the uh, link uh, of uh, The Art of Silence in there, and just and you can also check out the channel, too. Because the amount of education in those videos is completely invaluable to any cinema lover. So, I meant... You know, I actually thought for a second he actually ran over the body. Ah. Nobody missed just by that much, but... Oh, man, can you imagine if they actually went the extra mile to get, like, Oof. a Martin Sheen body just so they could run him <laughs> over? Like, damn. Uh, although the other, the only other thing that sticks out in my mind on that scene is uh, the obvious, again, the obvious uh, CG bullet hits and the, uh, the, the glass shattering. Because when you see the glass shatter in the back window, yeah, the glass falls and shatters onto the pavement, but the glass is still clearly there. <laughs> but it's okay, because, again, it's all about the uh, the intensity of the scene. Right. Okay, uh, this is the point where Matt Damon's character completely loses any credibility. Because he, when he's like, I can investigate anyone I fucking want! He's like, dude, you, you, you look like a child right now. Yep. Yep. Damn. See, that's nice, though. It's like he's kicking him out, but he's paying him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, remember, Alec Baldwin's character, he's a pig, but he's also... He's he's also does the right thing, weirdly. It's 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 so weird because you can tell this yeah. guy is not an ethical person for a professional. He is not necessarily very. Well, he is professional, but he's not. It's weird. It's yeah. really he's he's walking a really weird line in terms of professionalism. Huh. Oh, and, again, and this, this is scene. the wonderful, yeah, the wonderful actor from Shawshank we mentioned, who's also a cop, which we only really know for sure because he also did have a file that was found. Yeah. But now that you mention it, because it's totally uh, implied that yeah, he really was a cop. Um, I wonder what that means when he figured out that he's the inside man. I wonder it's like... Oh, like right here with yeah, the skin? Because he's like, I gave you the wrong address, but you showed right, up but, anyway. But see, he, he, this is him trying to let Koska know. I just want to know, though, is... Uh, 
I'm just curious if he uh, um, if he's like I'm with the FBI too. Like I'm with. Well, no, well, no, but see, he yeah, but that's why he's like, tell me why. Like, don't you get it? I'm with you. He's like, tell me why I didn't tell no one, huh? Huh? Whereas that was him trying to be like, I can't say it. Get on my level. Yeah, but whereas this in this context of the scene where. Uh, he, you know, William was like, oh, my God, I almost got fucking made. And right. thank God I didn't need this guy died or otherwise I would have had yeah, to off him. Right. But he doesn't know. But at the same time, it's like that's what he was trying to clue him into. Like, this I'm with is, you. This movie is such a fucking mind fuck of uh, identity. And, you know. Yeah. That's the real theme of this movie is identity. Oh, and by the way, uh, Mark Rolston, that was the guy who, who just died. But we also haven't, we remember him in another great movie of ours, uh, not just the Shawshank Redemption, but he was also uh, uh, in Aliens as, uh, you know, the big guy. Uh, you remember yeah. he was the, uh, the, the one guy who was clearly with the, uh, the Latino woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was, the, that was him too. I, I love the homophobic implications here. <laughs> you know, there was like a uh, a weird interpretation out there saying that uh, Costello's like closeted gay or like closeted bisexual. Well, I mean, yeah, that that was what that whole point was. Like, mm-hmm. he got really offended the second she brought it up. <laughs> but in all fairness, a person like Jack Nicholson playing this kind of role. His char- like when you really get down to it, when you get down to it, uh, considering his character, where wouldn't he put his dick? Well, where, yeah, and at the same time, like for me, it, it's he gets off on the power game. Yeah, that's true. No matter who it's it like is, being, vi- being violent, like destroying people, like that's when you see him. You know, get going crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that when he popped that woman at the airport in the beginning of the movie, he totally had a huge heart on. <laughs> That's why you should really see somebody. Oh, I know, right? And then the dude, like, proceeds to chop them up into tiny bits. <laughs> like, the guy suggesting that he needs therapy proceeds to chop them up into tiny bits. It's like the, uh, it's like the woman from Airplane. He's like, oh, Lord, no, I would never do drugs. <laughs> Snorts cocaine. <laughs> oh, man, the blood on the uh, the phone. Okay, so the moment that I was talking about how Scorsese deals in silence, it's this mo- this scene right here. Because yep. cut off, the music is gone. There's no music for the rest of this phone, for the rest of this scene. Oh, man, I never caught that mistake. What's that? The blood smear is different from one shot to the next, from the close-up to the wide eh. oh, on well. the talk button. Oh, well. And I, yeah, but it's fine. It doesn't matter, but I never caught it. First time I ever noticed it. So I remember someone doing a comparison to the original Infernal Affairs. This scene is in the original as well, but there's music, and it's supposed to be playing with music. But here, it is totally silent. And I love this scene is probably one of my favorites because it's just them listening to each other breathing on each end, not knowing what to say. 
And it's Holy time to get shit. his bug out bag and run. Now this, look at the way they edit. How he skips and jumps, jump cuts. Like those jump cuts, that's that was like another inspiration for my editing processes later in life. Um, specifically, the way that montage itself. Because again, uh, 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 the greatest of movies, Sean, are teaching movies. Oh yeah. And this movie teaches you can teach you so much about expressing oneself through cinema. And now they finally get into the conversation. Oh shit. You gotta love how cool these guys are now. Mm-hmm. And that whole fir- that whole first phone call should have been the red flag, honestly. Oh yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised that you know William picked up again. Because honestly, if it were me, well, his only uh, well, but his only other option was to go permanently on the run, and that's not a great option. In all fairness, though, he probably would have lived if he did make that decision, though. Because if he had just, like, hung up the phone and then broke it in half and then just ran, he probably would have gotten away scot-free. Although, granted, you know... But then he's he's away scot-free with a criminal record. That's, yeah. Just like Dignam pointed out, like, once your file's gone, you're just another sucker out there to be wasted on the streets by either yep. gang members or police. Oh, and here's another. Yep. Now he's realizes that he's a FBI informant. All right. Now, this this is probably the funniest scene in the movie. And I love where how... Jack Nicholson's full range is on display in this movie from <laughs> drama to comedy to intensity. <laughs> How do you find him obsessed? This shit right here, man. <laughs> Tell you dump a body in the marsh. You dump them in the marsh. the movie the reality tv line i dates don't the movie. care it's funny <laughs> as hell oh it's great it's great jesus but... christ i still use that every once in a while i'm like don't laugh this ain't reality tv yeah more dropkick murphy's man what also wasn't this song like fresh off their uh records too because i think that like uh this song for uh um, for their album was like 2005 or something like that. Yeah, it, w- it was fairly recent. 
and now it's like it's completely synonymous with this movie let's be honest (laughs) (laughs) he's like all right well i know you're an informant so fuck you all the way i'm gonna get i'm gonna take you down tonight I mean, he's not wrong. And again, with the, the music, it's m- one of the main parts of the mix right now, really big and loud. And then yep. as soon as he walks in, cut. Oh, man, I love it when they do that. It's it's counterintuitive to what you're taught, but it really fucking works. Yep. Oh shit, son! Going full Wild West on these motherfuckers. <laughs> or rather, going full IRA, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, though, seriously, don't mess around with the IRA. Those guys are nuts. I'm sympathetic to them. Okay. <laughs> I just don't want to. I just don't want to get on their bad side. Is what I'm saying. I mean, I wouldn't either. But I should probably just stop talking about. English. I should probably <laughs> stop talking about them now, actually, because I fear, like, you know, they're they're listening in on this and they're just gonna come in and raid my house and beat the living shit out of me. Why I support them? Fuck the English. Okay. English should get out of Ireland. They never should have been there in the first place. <laughs> And we should stop now. Yeah, for real. Like, I'm, I'm really scared now. <laughs> Were you not in the car? I actually loved the, his, uh, um, the T-shirt that they gave him, which was the Irish. Irish. Yeah, just, yeah, just plain old Irish. Fuck. You know, I just realized. You know, I know. I, lo- I, I love the fact that he's got a whole brick for himself that he just took with him. Well, yeah. I mean, Got's come on, so man. You got to have a little slice off the top for yourself, eh? See, that right there should have been the cue for Costello to realize that Costigan was a cop. Right. But you know what? He was a little bit busy at the moment when he saw this shit. Damn! They don't even wait for an aura. They just mow these motherfuckers down. Yep. Bam! I love that shot. I don't know what it is about that shot where, you know, the backlit shot of Matt Damon drawing his pistol. Yeah, right here again. But that just feels like something straight out of a film noir. Also, you notice the freeze frames yeah. there. Yeah, I oh, love yeah. that. Dude, the many freeze frames during this—they're wonderful. They vary in length, but they have a lot of those freeze frames, and it's—it adds so much to, for for lack of a better term, the impact. And of course, this. <laughs> I mean, to be in all fairness, that's probably what I would do too. Just yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And by the way, your point with the X's, 
I like how they kind of cribbed it there because you have the car backing up across an X yeah. in the background of the warehouse. So it's like, yep. oh, we don't even have to do an individual. It's all these fuckers are about to die. Yep, every last <laughs> one of them. This is why you have to turn off your cell phone in the middle of a movie, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on the op side to that wound, at least it went in and out. <laughs> he does need a hospital, though. <laughs> and I, Although I still love how generally unfazed he is about being shot in the gut and being a 70-year-old man. Right. Damn. Is it also me or um but I always thought in this scene he we just get to see a little teensy bit of Jack Napier from Batman come back. <laughs> it might be the red blood on his lips or whatnot, but I always especially when you see the corpse of him, I he really looks like the same way he did at the end of Batman. Boom. And oh. I love the turnaround. He's projecting oh. his own impotence onto Costello. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But oh man, the, the way he spits up the blood, man. That always yeah, is just like and, and it's the reverse. Like Colin can't get it up, but he may or may not be a daddy because it could also be Costigan's kid. Fuck! Cos Costello fucks like a weird guy, but doesn't have kids. Yeah, like, dude, it's that shot right there where he's just lying dead. Oh yeah. That I just get flashbacks to the Joker from 1989. Yeah. Oh, for sure. The the Joker's death scene in this one do kind of feel mirroring. And the laughing bag, the ringing cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now here's something that I always thought was weird. Watch her lips. She clearly said, where the fuck is Frank? Like... Uh why would you have to change that to where the hell is Frank? Like, d dude, you're already clearly a heart. Was the NPAA like, no, you have one too many fucks in here. You got to take a couple out. And that happened to be one of them. Like what, what was, I, I just don't understand that. That, that, cause that she's clearly uh, saying where the fuck is Frank? I don't know. Like, cause for all the shit that goes on in this movie, what's one more F bomb? Really? For like, and besides Scorsese went even yeah. more crazy with Wolf of Wall Street couple years later man was that was that that woman he was ogling earlier i'm not sure because if it is that fe so. if it is that's a weird arc isn't it right <laughs> yeah, i don't know how i feel about that oh shit don't you also love the fact that matt damon's bruise on his face is not from the giant crackdown where hunt where uh, uh, right. several men were killed, but it was just a scuffle <laughs> with Dignam. Shows you how hard Dignam hits. Yeah, for real, man. He's like, yeah, whatever. Can I please go just get my money and go right. home? I am fucking done. Man, Leo's like just all of the done right now. 
Yep. It's like I've I've been through this shit. I he's oh, well I mean for real, he has been next to they, That line. Yeah. Being a cop is not an identity. Every cop should learn this. Yo, for that you're totally fucking right, man, dude. That's why the look, it's not that we're against, you know, uh, police officers and we're not like trying to backlash them or anything but the whole blue lives matter thing is just absolute garbage honestly because it's it's look it's it's not trying to um promote police officers or their or the fact that they like we get the fact that they're in a job that uh lends itself to extraordinary things where they have to occasionally risk lives or be in uh really bad situations yeah, that's true. But if you really but the system is clearly so fucking broken that if you don't realize that you know that's not what you're all about, good cops should be like that's not this system is not what I'm about. That is not who I am. You know? I love Yeah, to, sorry to bring it back. I I, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with you, but to bring it back I love the exchange here with how just exhausted and tired Costigan is. Yes. But like, but at the same time, it's like Sullivan just seems kind of lighthearted because it's like, he thinks he's getting off. He thinks he's done. He thinks he's getting out. Like, Hey, cool. Like I'm not dead. This guy's not dead. Like I'm going to be able to pull this off. It's such a interesting juxtaposition. I, I really like it. And then this fateful moment. Oh, shit. When he and, realizes. And the music cue is so perfect. Like, oh. You know, that's another thing. That, I mean, because, you know, Scorsese's known for, you know, his soundtracks and his needle use of needle drop in movies and whatnot. And it's wonderful. But the, people tend to forget this movie had, like, an original score by Howard Shore. Oh, yeah. You know, Howard Shore, the dude who did Lord of the Rings. That, that's fucking score that we all love. Um, but I love their choice of music in this. Is that they wanted it their the theme throughout to be a loose tango, mm -hmm. you know, a dance, but a deadly dance between these two, uh, these cops and criminals, which I thought that's a really cool, that's a really cool yeah. uh, choice. I never, I honestly never would have thought of that. If if you hired me to make this movie, like if I'm you know fifty years old and. Um, have a career behind me already and you had me direct this movie in 2006 i never would have uh made that creative choice yeah oh shit you know what william should have done right there and then he should have covered up the envelope taken his pay and then expose him and not, you know, give him yeah. and not give him all of this cuz now he's just going to erase his file. Right, but but he has no allies. Remember that. He doesn't know who else could be in league with this guy. Dignum's not there, Queenan's dead. He has no allies. No one he can trust. Well, that's why I was going to say he should just like take his money and then do everything he can to get Dignum in and then take him in. That's the that's probably that would have been my play, but in all fairness, Leo's character is so uh, William Costigan is so on edge that yeah, of course he would panic. 
Yeah, what else is he going to do at this point? Like, everything is fucked. And you also got to love that, you know, the circle of Boston is so fucking small (laughs) (laughs) that the one person that he trusts happens to be the guy's girlfriend. They both... It, it's it's that uh, it, yep. it, it's the other uh, the skit from Batman where Bane realizes <laughs> wait you slept with her I ate you your dick was yours too my dick was yours too <laughs> it was so, it's so dumb oh, it's so dumb but it's funny um, <laughs> have you seen that sketch where Batman realized no. oh it's it's funny as hell it's the uh, it's the it's a parody of the moment where in the Dark Knight Rises where Bane, Batman gets stabbed by Talia and reveals that, you know, Bane was uh, her protector back in prison and whatnot. And he's like, wait, but we totally fucked. Did you guys fuck? Because that's so fucked up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really dumb and stupid, but it's funny. Um, I might put a link in the description for you guys just to enjoy that. That wonderful charm of stupid is that a, a, who what is that where have i heard that quote i actually don't know i because i know i've heard that one before oh and of course this revelation where we and i love how we have the suspense for a moment that we think it's what william costing gave him and he's like oh shit i've been made but it's not I, but I like the suspense more that you're just like, but whose is it? Oh, yeah. No, that's the other thing. Even <laughs> though the, that suspense has been dropped, it, it it's replaced with something else can, entirely. Um, yep. And uh, uh, by the way, are you pretty sh- – are, are you like uh, – do you think she knows that it's not his? I think she doesn't know. Ah. I think that's what she was going to talk about with Costigan. And he's like, tell me in two weeks. Cause she, I think she's knocked up and she doesn't actually know whose it is. I gotcha. Because uh, I'm totally... And see, now, and now she's freaking out because it's addressed to her guy. It's from Costigan. It's like, she's worried that she's about to be ratted out for cheating on him. And it's it's like, so she's, she's freaking out. She thinks her affair is about to come to light. But it's for Costigan, not her. Right. Right, and that's just it. She thinks that, like, he's about to throw her under the bus, and then this comes out of it. Yep. And also, you gotta love that Scorsese put that CD inside of a Rolling Stones album. Right. Just to be a little, just a little coy with with us and Mick Jagger. You gotta love that sound quality, though. And, dude, this shot of just the... The slow look, the look of horror around her with the, her expression. Oh, it's so well done. Yeah. Although it's a little out of focus, don't you think? But you know what? That's the thing with Scorsese. He's, he's like, look, te- there are technical issues with the shot, but I feel so strongly about this performance, I'm going to keep it anyway. Oh, shit. He's been made in more ways than one. And you know what's really great is that, look, he could have been outed at work. Right. And it would have been damning. 
but it's far more damning to have her be the one to hear it. <laughs> Sucker. Uh, that sound quality is fantastic. Excuse you. Shit. <sighs> Damn. And then this shit right here. <laughs> now, what I love is that it's a shot from behind with him. And we don't get to see his face. Yeah. Everything's implied. And it's also really smart that Scorsese never cuts into the bedroom with Vera. Yeah. We never get to see her reaction. Because if even, it's, even if it were me, I would have cut in and showed her reaction. Yeah. But it's he was wise not to do that. Just because you, because you, uh, uh, by not showing, by withholding the information, your brain gets to fill in the blanks. And it's far more satisfying that way. Ah, wrong answer. Sure. Sure. Oh, boy. I love that. He's just like, damn, dud. Damn. The intensity in these two actors is um, riveting to watch. Come on. Oh. oh, come on, just help the guy out. I'm telling you, man, he shouldn't have made a move without Dignum. Yeah, he That's really shouldn't have. That's the, the main part that got him killed, well, man. Right, but at the same time, the Dignum thing's a bit of an issue and is complicated because they didn't adapt it too well because that character gets killed with Queen in, in the original. Oh, the it did he? Oh, okay. Adapted from. Yeah. So, have you. So uh, I'm actually, a, did you see the original Infernal Affairs or any. Yes. The, the entire trilogy? Yes. The entire trilogy? Not the trilogy okay. But I, no, I saw the first one. Okay. Because I have not seen it yet. I, I planned on watching it. But I had a quick trip to the ER that kind of put that away. Um, long story, folks, but I, I assure you I'm fine now. It was just like a, a bug thing. Okay. But, so. Oh, dude, this, dude, this, this, 
this death the here. first when i first saw this like this blew me away Or dreading it almost. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just, oh man, like it, first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I know, right? It's, I, it's definitely up there in like the top 10 most unexpected movie deaths of all time. I know that's, it's gotta be a, on like one of the Watch Mojo lists or whatever. Oh yeah. Cause god damn. And if you thought that wasn't surprising enough. Yup. <sighs> Don't you just hate it when the black guy has to die in the damn movie, in these damn movies? You gotta really love the fact that in like 90% of the cases of characters of this movie, the cops are criminals and criminals are cops. Yep. <laughs> Pop! Damn. Which, I mean, that's that fits that character so well, though. Hey, we need to work together. Uh-huh. Uh, no, fuck you. I'm doing this myself. I am not getting entangled with you, dumbass. <laughs> and this is also the ending that you know, I, I always, I, I've been talking a lot how great movies are teaching movies, but this, I took a, away the absolute wrong lesson, and that uh, how a compelling ending for your short film is where everyone just dies. <laughs> Look, it works here, but in, not in, it, it just can't work in every case, man. Right, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's great and compelling in this movie because it fits the characters and fits the tone and is shocking. But when you have it just for the sake of shock value, it loses right. all well, potency. Like, that, like, that's why the original ending of Clerks had to be changed. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. That was so bad. And Kevin Smith even looks back on it and like, what the fuck was I smoking? <laughs> like, yeah. Ugh, so bad. You oh, don't and suddenly turn your comedy into a tragedy in the last 10 seconds. No, doesn't work. But this right here, I love where he puts together. He's like, the only friend that I've had is a police shrink. And she sees her at the funeral. Yup, and bawling. she's crying. And that's where... The math all comes together <laughs> right there in that shot. That one little, like, little shift of the eyes is like he, he, <laughs> he has gotten the equation, and now she knows it too. But she, but she, you know that she knows he's a fucker who did it. Like, yep. she's just done. Yep. I wonder if she actually has that baby. What a horrible! Oh, yeah. What a horrible! A what a horrible way to end her character arc, where she just becomes the single mom, to <laughs> to, to to most likely uh, William Costigan's kid, and where she's like, I don't even know who your father was. That's fucked up, man. Where you have to live with this kid who you're not sure 
is uh, I, and I love this her cold oh, yeah. eyes as she walks straight to yeah, the man. camera. Such a great decision. But man, dude, I don't know if she would like want to abort the kid because he's like in fear that it might be his. Because she wouldn't want him to live on, but she'd want William to live on. And that's and a. I, oh. lo- I, I, I love this moment right there. It shows that, like. Even the even uh, his neighbors are like. Well, no. Heck well, no, sus. He's, no. Well, that's because he's a ladder climber. He doesn't belong in this building. He's not those people. And a person of their pedigree wouldn't do that. Yeah. And of course, the, the red X on the other uh, floor as well. Uh huh. Because here's the moment. Where the fuck were you, Dignum? <laughs> For real. So justice is served? Eh, Close enough. Kinda, I guess. And and here we get the most brilliant lucky shot ever. Oh, that wasn't lucky. That that rat is digital. Oh, is it? I, it totally no, I, is 100% are, digital. Are you sure? That's 100% digital. Huh. That rat that rat is digital. That was intentional. It was not a lucky shot or anything. That is 100% design. Or as the Simpsons put it, the rat symbolizes obviousness. <laughs> See, somewhere I've read that they were doing cutaways and it, ju- it just happened to show up one day. No, nope, no. Nope. Total myth. That ah. is a... Hundred percent digital. Uh, well, they they shot a rat on a, like a green screen and then they added that in post. So okay. that yeah, it was it, that was digital. But yeah, produced by Brad Pitt. You know Brad well, Pitt. Brad Pitt. He was supposed he wasn't to be supposed to yeah, but he had a conflict. But he still ended up producing. Yep, yep. Which is cool because goddamn. Oh man, what a, this is such a ride, man, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, and of course Jack Nicholson man hats off to him for probably his his as you said his swan song man and how so now watching it again with me changed it all and any expectations any new things any anything uh, yeah I mean it, it's just little things you know catching small little moments I hadn't caught before but nothing that drastically changes the paradigm of the film for me yeah me neither um i mean but i love it and also i mean it's it's do uh sorry sorry i had to shout out for thelma schoonmacher who still is one of my favorite favorite fucking editors who ever lived um so one of the one of the points I was gonna make is just the fact that um you know, I said I love this movie and that obviously I love Boston. I am a sucker for Boston films in general. Like, <laughs> okay. I have I have what like Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, man. Freaking the town. Yep. Um yep. oh gosh. Uh wasn't Boondock I, I, Saints also in Boston too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's less of of my. That, I mean, I I've seen that several times, but it's less on my rewatch yeah, list than it's, others. It's a little overrated for me, but that's just me. Yeah, but like, there's. I mean, and, and uh, yeah, I just I love Boston. I love a lot of the movies I've seen set there. Um, 
So, yeah, it's uh, this movie just it, it it just ticks all the boxes. It's it's so well done. It's definitely a big big influence on my editing sensibilities and my character study sensibilities. Not just in terms of what do I do, but what do I let the actors do, you know? Uh, yeah. And, God, I really wish I could make more movies, like, on my own. But uh, as a uh, as Orson Welles is famous for saying, uh, a writer needs a, a pen, a painter, a brush, a filmmaker, an army. And uh, kind of hard to have an army when uh, you're broken and it's the <laughs> middle of a pandemic. But uh, one of these days, one of these days, uh, I'm hoping to make another movie. One of the, uh, and hopefully it'll be a quarter as good as this, because this shit is a fucking oh, masterpiece, man. man. Uh, it's it's so well done. And y now you mentioned that this is uh, your favorite film by Martin Scorsese. How many of Scorsese's movies have you seen? Because I think I've seen about seventy percent of them. Um. Uh, give me a second. Let me check on that. I've seen a bunch, but oh, I, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen. Um, I'm far from having seen all of them. Yeah. I know that much. I still um, need to see like things like After Hours or Color of Money and uh, Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, uh, Kundun, yeah, I mean, Silence. I've, 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 I have seen, a, as I said, a significant percent of them, but I know it's far from all of them, um, of the ones he's directed. Because uh, I think I've seen roughly about 60-70% of his filmography. This one is definitely uh, in the, probably in like the top three for me, but it's not my absolute favorite. I don't think this is his magnum opus. Uh, that one belongs to another one, which we will be doing later on to end mobster march it is yeah uh, looking looking at his work i would say that i've seen probably 50 percent, maybe a little more okay yeah so we're about but then again he he's done a lot of stuff where it's like it, it just hasn't necessarily had much of an appeal to me yeah. you know I, I and i will definitely say i think i've seen a hundred percent of his crime movies yeah, the crime movies are what he's most famous for. Um, uh, actually, did you see The Irishman? Oh, yes. Yeah, man, that was... Dude, that's another modern masterpiece. Might have to do that one again. Although, that's going to be a long one, because that is three and a half hours long, so that might turn into a four-hour podcast. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's a wonderful cinema, man, but I don't know if I... I guess I'll, I'll I'll just have to leave it up to the audience. Like when the time comes, yeah. do you guys want us to do the Irishman? Because that that would, or any other. What what are some other uh, Martin Scorsese movies um, you'd like us to okay. do? So I'm going to ring in on this because I just rolled it back. Okay, what's up? A hundred percent. Those people with the shotguns are Costello's men, flanking in the upper areas, the Chinamen. I think we can finally put this one to bed. For <laughs> like, I just still frame that. Like, you know what? I'm I'm settling this forever. You're gonna fight your buddy Greg uh, to the to, about this to the death, aren't you? 
To be fair, I fight him to the death about every we have. <laughs> you know what? I, That's kind of our dynamic. I guess, I guess you can dedicate this uh, episode to him, and I can dedicate this to my good friend David KG, who, again, we, we've been friends since third grade, man, and we, I know we, we, we don't talk enough, but uh, I know this is still one of his favorite films, so I guess this one's going to be just, just for you, buddy. Um <laughs> and uh yeah you can if you want to tag your buddy greg uh online for this one when when it goes up feel free to do so but that he'll, was he'll the probably just be pissed i didn't invite him along <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can imagine it'll be the same way for my buddy david too so but maybe next time maybe next time uh so yeah you got any other final thoughts to to say about this this exquisite masterpiece of a movie i mean i i really don't i i i but uh, well i i yeah, just one little one. Okay. For me, such such something that really makes a movie is how it holds up to time. Mm-hmm. It's been 15 years, and this movie still hits. This movie's still amazing. Yeah, dude, for real. I, I mean, there, there I, are many, many best picture movies you can go and look at and revisit them 15 years later, and you're like... Eh, that was okay. Uh, yeah, or it's like, man, that was really so much of its time. Yeah. Like, it's almost like uh, like a time capsule rather than, you know, something like... Like, well, you ever I, watch I, I Gladiator, just... and you're like, wow, really, this one best picture? Like, uh. uh I mean, I still like it, however, man, I don't know how you make a movie, how you start making a movie when you only have 27 pages of a script, but... <laughs> Really? That I didn't hear that part about Gladiator. Oh yeah, when they when they started filming, they only had twenty seven pages of the script firmly done. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> I have a just a, I have all my respect for Ridley Scott, but now I just have a little bit more for it now. Even oh, though I didn't like even, the movie, it, it, it gets even funnier. That that whole strength and honor line that they're saying in the beginning, yeah. High school motto of freaking uh, Russell Crowe's, like, high school. Like, that was their, like, tagline. He cribbed that, and they up. kept it. Yeah, this ain't some Roman thing. It's a high school motto he just shoved in there. So are we going to have to do fucking Gladiator now <laughs> one of these yeah, days? Yeah, at some, at some point, sure. Fuck! Look, I'll go off on Ridley Scott movies all day. Fuck. I enjoy them, but th- there's, <laughs> they're, they're nuts. Shit. Oh, maybe you, maybe you might actually change my mind because I just did not like Gladiator, man. It was well, oh, but when did you? But I think so much of this and so much of cinema, it's when did you see it? What was your mind frame when you saw it? And you know, I and saw it. Where in, did you see it? I saw it in high school. I I think I rented a DVD off of a family video and I watched it, and uh, yeah, I just. Because I was expecting, like, a really epic kind of tale with, you know, like, the classic sensibilities of old sword and sandal movies of, like, the, uh, the, the 60s. Ah, mixed, yeah, see, mixed, I... mixed with the slick production of the present and the intense filmmaking of, like, a post-Saving Private Ryan uh, Hollywood. So I was like, okay, I, that's, that was my expectation, and... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it see, just rubbed just me the you, wrong way. We had very different expectations. So, also, I Joaquin saw... Phoenix really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm sorry. Oh, see, his performance is brilliant because he's so smarmy and disgusting. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, that performance is amazing. It was silly to me. Um, 
It was really oh, silly. See I, see, I thought his performance was absolutely great. Also, in relation to your whole reference to the sword and sandal stuff, man, I am so sorry, people. We've gone on a really weird tangent. <laughs> um, it's the, it's never watch so, alone. Come on, like this right. is the show. I only saw that those movies. Like, I saw them when I was young, so I didn't have an attachment to them from a standpoint of cinema. Like, I saw Ben Hur and like that kind of stuff when I was very young. We're talking like single digits still. Yeah. And I hadn't revisited any of them when I got into film. So seeing Gladiator as I, you know, kind of at the, when I'm really starting to really get into film on the big screen, because it came out when I was in high school with those shots and the effects and the weather and the lighting, like that was just like, oh shit. And, you know, that was also my introduction to Russell Crowe. And I mean, he's a fantastic actor who's knocking it out of the park there. He was okay. Um, I mean, he, he didn't really blow my skirt up. I'm sorry. Okay, but again, like, I wasn't much of a student at this point. Okay, that's fair. I'm getting into movies, well, you know, and I see this in the theater. You're, like, you're really reminding me of my... And, uh, and I should say, it's the first historical-type epic I got to see in the theater since my dad took me to Braveheart when, to see in the theater when I was 13. Oh, okay. So I now have a type... And I want more, and I hadn't had it in a long time, and here they're giving it to me. Okay, that's fair. Uh, you just really reminded me of my uh, my uncle Arturo, who uh, who fucking loves Gladiator, and we constantly argue about it. Now, now I feel like you're gonna one of these days we're gonna sit down and watch Gladiator for one of these shows, and weirdly my mind's gonna change, and I'm gonna be like, fuck. It, okay, real quick. <laughs> Is Arturo, your uncle Arturo, older or younger oh, than he's... your than than your than his sibling that's your parent? Uh, th th that that I believe he's uh, younger. Yeah. Uh significantly so. Eh, not really. Yeah, I think he's okay, like good, a, good. I think he's like in his uh, his forties. I could be wrong. It's I, I okay, only good. I don't I don't see him uh, as often. And I should I should you know I should where's, probably where's give him a from? shot. Uh, he is he's from the Chicago area. Oh, thank God. <laughs> look i'm i'm the more we have these talks i'm realizing the age difference between us and i'm just like i'm really hoping your arturo's not my childhood friend arturo because that would get real weird no 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 <laughs> come on look in movies like social circles are that small but not in real life <laughs> uh i moved to mommy ohio from san diego two years later a kid from my school in San Diego showed up in Mommy, Ohio. I guess I'll just uh, retroactively say, it's a small world after <laughs> yeah. all. Shit gets weird, and I'm just like, let's, I'm, ju I'm just you know trying what? to make sure the Actually, weirdness doesn't go too far. No, 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 the, the reason why it got weird, uh, because or the weird uh, uh, um, meeting that you had with your friend, that's just because Ohio is just like a magnet for that sort of shit. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, it was all, it was so weird. Cause it was just like, I'm just sitting there in school one day. And now, and first off it's real noticeable. Cause we have a new student in mommy, Ohio. I grew up in San Diego. So I grew up with, and I went to a school where Spanish was taught as the main language. So I grew up in a very racially diverse area. And that was normal to me. I come to Ohio and it's really white. <laughs> Yeah. And here I am in middle school, 
and we have a new student who's black named Christopher, and I'm just like, wait, Chris? <laughs> like from Longfellow? <laughs> He's like, Sean, we thought you died. <laughs> like, it was like, what the hell? You know, life really is just about as strange as a movie sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It gets weird out here, man. It's yeah. Weird. Well, we we are, we we are trying to we we are done with fucked up February. We're going to and that's why we're going to continue with Mobster March. So, that said, I think we can Which is just a different kind of fucked up cuz the mob is sick as hell. Yeah, it is. Uh so that said, I think we'll cap it off here and you guys can join us next week for another mob classic. Uh and this one is Honestly, I think this one's going to be a really popular one for all you guys. Uh, uh, I won't say a whole lot, but there is just there's probably just as many f bombs, and I guarantee you more cocaine in this next one. So uh, we'll leave it off there, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Never Watch Alone. So I've been Tim. I've been Sean. And you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Peace.